so tired. I, w- I want to go to bed. Mm-hmm. But we just finished the plugs, and we need enough time for Bella Lugosi's dead to build up. To then get to the part where we say the things and it hits in time. I really do. I've listened to every episode since we started doing it as the non-homophobia zone instead of stairwells. I still don't quite understand the structure of it, to be honest with you. It's okay, I do. That's fine. That's valid. The the structure is that it's non-homophobia zone, which is all the stuff after Bella yes. Lugosi's dead. I guess I don't understand. But we that. still need the part because... This is the and this is part of editing. I assume you're going to start the episode with me saying, "Is Ikoko Nikki an irreverent blast?" Well, I guess. In which case, we can just say the thing and be done. Because I we go from irreverent blast into the plugs. No, but plugs. I still want to have it be at the end. I thought plugs were at the start now. No, I don't. But so. Really, I don't want a, a whole bunch of stuff at the beginning. I want a little You're bit. You're trying to hit the three-hour mark. I've, no. I figured out your I game. I want to fucking go to bed right now. You are trying and to hit the three-hour mark. But the thing is, there's a very specific structure, at least when I edit stairwells, where we say the thing that ends the episode, and it's specifically timed to two hits. Like... Annabella Lugosi's other part where it's like, and there's like individual ones, and then there's the very beginning of the, yeah. And for that, I wanted to time with us saying the things, and I I went to do it where I just had Bella Lugosi's dad play, and then at the end, it would be like what we recorded, all of that because it's the part non homophobia is the part after Bella Lugosi's dad, Uh but it felt so wrong to not have us say the outro thing in time with those two beats because it's been such a part of how I've edited the podcast the entire time I've edited from the very first time I picked up editing I'm just saying listener that our audacity recording is at 2 hours 55 minutes right now and I am convinced she's just trying to hit 3 hours Nanahachi is real Nanahachi is real Thank you.
necessary yesterday. This is, by the way, we just came out of just so you kind of know where this okay. is going. So yesterday, we were talking a little bit as you were driving past Beaches. <clears throat> um, uh, I gotta, I gotta switch this <laughs> what over. What is this not a page you have pulled up? <laughs> Why do you just have not a pages pulled up all the time? I, I specifically on Twitter sent them to you so that I could then download them onto my phone and tweet. Because right. tweeting, uh, especially trying to edit images mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on uh, Kindle is terrible. Um, we were talking. I, I specifically, some of it is like pulling stuff that we we talked about on the episode, but I think also just pulling some panels is the thing I want to do. Um, but I mean, it's like when Ren says to Nana, mm-hmm. I'm going to Tokyo, and then you get the like Bob out. Yeah. And then they're about to have the same conversation. So, yesterday we were talking on the phone, and I was talking about like, I feel a little maybe self-conscious because I am so powerfully in the Shonen Zonin right now. You know, I'm Hunter Hunter brained, I'm Dragon Ball brained. I've I've taken a break from getting so into Dragon Ball so that I can get into Saint Seiya. And also there's Fist of the North Star. Um, And also some dark part of me is like, I do think I'd like One Piece though. <laughs> um, Like, there's a lot of baggage about yeah. one piece that I don't know that I'll be able to get over, but I also am aware. I was going to tell an anecdote, but I'm not. Okay. Because truck work. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, but, but so anyway, I was just, I was just saying like, I feel bad because I feel like ghost divers and stare. Well, the non homophobia zone are about like, manga about feelings and like relationships and like complicated things and then all my other podcasts i'm like i like when the guy punches and i was feeling self-conscious about it you know yeah and we were also talking a little bit about you know your feelings about why you're not so into shonen manga so much um, or, or specifically shonen battle manga i feel like i'm particularly guilty of saying shonen when i mean this one very popular genre of shonen. Yeah. I mean, this is this is also like it's a thing it's a thing in culture. It's a thing in culture, but I want to hold myself to a higher standard than like the first collab between Kiara and Narissa. Like Narissa goes way off on Naruto. Uh-huh. And then Kiara's talking about how she doesn't really like shonen, and then is like looking up shonen anime and then Remembering that, like, shonen anime, in terms of, like, the actual thing, yeah. is a lot bigger than, like, yes. shonen battle stuff. And she's like, I guess there's, like, shonen stuff. It's just, like, this kind of stuff yeah. I don't really like. Yeah. And that's that's exactly, like, I just want to hold myself to the, I think because I want to be on podcasts and be, like, a big proponent of, like... In the same way that I want to go on Coffee and Comic Books and be like, look, there is a wide world of comics you can be into that have nothing to do with the big two. I also want to be like, there is a wide world of manga that you can be into that have nothing to do with, like, you know, this one particular subgenre of shonen stuff, you know? That is like, you know, 
the big dominant thing that will get tons and tons of volumes and we'll, yes. we'll have like anime shows that will go on for. And so I'm feeling a little self-conscious because I want to be a person who's like, look, there's all this other stuff out there you can be reading. But also just my taste where I'm at right now, I'm feeling very just into this particular, like extremely, extremely popular genre, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, Anyway, my self-consciousness aside, maybe we can continue to talk about that in a moment. But I brought this up because yesterday when we were talking, I was trying to be like, I think there's a chance that of all of these, Hunter Hunter might be the one you enjoy. I don't really think you would, but I think there's a chance, you know? Yeah. I mean, it seems like everybody that I know who reads this sort of manga. Mm-hmm. The, whose opinions I would generally trust about things. Yeah. Like Hunter Hunter, like, the most. Yeah, Hunter Hunter is, in terms of just, like, craftsmanship, is, I think, just, like, clearly on another level than anything else in this space, and it's yeah. not even fair, you know? Um, I mean, I, to, to, I guess to put out what I was, like, saying on the phone mm-hmm. yesterday, just so other people sort of have it and, and yeah. are aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is that, like... I think that I there's I come to to different media for like different things, oh. you know, um, like I go to music for like specific emotional impacts in like a very direct way. Mm-hmm. But like it's going to be short. That's just what music is. Right. Mm-hmm. I come to music much in the same way that I come to, to poetry, which is that like I want something short, but that's like I can like feel the craft in it. And that is going to have some sort of impact. There's going to be like, even if it's just like one line or like a specific, you know, section of the song uh-huh. that will like stick with me and move me in some way. And that's like often what I'm most seeking when it comes to that stuff. Mm. Um, and then like movies. Um, and then there's some other stuff that serve in this like shorter format. Um, most of that I'm I'm coming to for like. I also want something that is like going to be more sort of immediately emotional mm-hmm. or have that more immediate connection or is going to have some sort of spectacle to it or I'm going to be more interested in like the themes going on. Um, a lot of like stairwells is the way that it is because I I do just come to movies as these like aesthetic experiences that like mm-hmm. you have and you have reactions to and that's very different than like plot or narrative. Like movies can yeah. do that, but I don't think it's the the strength of movies because they're shorter. Well, and it's n- it's specifically not the strength that we come to for movies. Yeah. Really. Yeah. You know, there are there are many movies with incredible plots and stories and stuff, but the thing that we are chasing usually is not that. Yeah. And often that 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 plot or narrative is like a far more like uh tighter focused thing mm-hmm. still. Mm-hmm. In a way that further like invites me to think of it less as like characters and things like that, and more as like what is thematically happening here. Yeah, you know, um, but like especially aesthetic, that's part of it. And so when I when it comes to what I think a lot of people get out of stuff like Shonen Battle or whatever, uh-huh. I'm just going to like a martial arts film or like you know a good like action movie or something uh-huh um i had to clarify good because there's lots of bad ones as well <laughs> uh, <laughs> see a lot of recent output of yeah. action movies um but 
Because then, it, like, some of it becomes that spectacle of, you know, mm-hmm. a performer doing things and, like, the way that they, they pull it off. And so, like, even with, like, anime movies, I will be far more into a movie, like, I don't think, the, I, I guess I don't know if the dub was. I'm not going to mention it. Okay. We recently covered an anime. That's kind of a dumb guy plot. Oh, yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. And it's just cool action. It's just cool action. And for a movie, that's like... More appealing to you. Yeah. 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 Um, But when something becomes longer, like a TV show or a comic, you know, like a manga series, um, as that like spreads out, I want more like actual focus on characters Mm-hmm. And I want more that's, like, about the relationship between those characters. Mm-hmm. And a thing that happens a lot in, you know, the shonen stuff that I have seen is, and, and Berserk was the one I was talking about in, uh, you know, when I was driving because it's, like, I returned to Berserk a lot because it is a four star for me. Uh-huh. I enjoyed a lot in it. Uh-huh. But also, I I don't do this and I wouldn't know how to do this because I... I don't even think about it that way while I'm reading through. But, like, if I actually, like, paid attention and read through volumes and then went and, like, rated the volume stars, mm-hmm. I'm sure there would be volumes of that that would be five stars and be like, this volume is fucking incredible. And there's ones that would be, like, one star or, like, half yeah, star all or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't fucking care about them, like, killing some trolls. I just don't. <laughs> um, I think so, it's cool like, when they fight the trolls. I like Serpico as a character. I like a lot of the, like, relationships going on. There's, like, tensions there. But also Berserk is something that that is going to think that, like, an aspect of the relationship that deserves a lot of time spent is a fight between Guts and Berserk about, like, is it, like, Guts and Serpico. (laughs) You called Guts Berserk yesterday, and I was laughing about it. And now you've called Serpico Berserk. Which that doesn't make sense. I think that I think that Guts is Berserk. Yes, that's true. Yeah. That's fine. But it was it was just the If Guts was uh in a saga, it would be like Guts the Berserk. Uh-huh. Which in like, you know, old Norse uh-huh. would be like Gutzer Berserker <laughs> or something. You know? <laughs> but anyway. Um, Gatsu. No, that that doesn't work. It's an old code, sir, but it checks out. Um, maybe Gatsi. Oh, oh, that would be an that would be an acceptable. There, there are many Scandalations and thus many American fans that refer to Guts as Gatsu. I know that, but I'm just I'm just commenting <laughs> on the thing that I know more. Meow, meow, meow. Old Norse names, but like. The whole fight, like, duel between them, like, who's going to be the, you know, there's still, like, character work happening there, but I think that, like, having those moments of resolution happen around, like, a fight Mm -hmm. where there is, like, a clear winner or loser or just, like, uh, the fight for some reason gets interrupted or whatever, and then you prolong that has so much less like weird thorny interesting stuff than like other things that are going to be more just focused on the relationships and like the way that those progress and evolve mm-hmm. so um it's not to say that like you know shonen battle stuff never has interesting characters or interesting relationships between characters but i think like 
it also very clearly has this interest in doing these like prolonged detailed fights mm-hmm. and i'm i'm not getting anything that i want out of that and i there's like a scale for me too where like uh in a manga fights are like the most boring thing ever to me uh in like animation it can be really cool to see like the technique uh-huh. behind how they're animating fights mm-hmm but also that same level of attention that so often gets given to fights and the like detail and the the like we're really going to put our budget in this. I also love when they put them that budget into like human beings moving and emoting. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've gotten to it, but me and Midgar running through the ship realizing what he's just done. Who? In Turn A Gundam. No. One of the most incredible pieces of animation ever. And it's just him running in his expression and stuff. I had to drop it's incredible. Turning Gundam so I could watch Dragon Ball Super. I'm sure I'm fine with that, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, But. Yeah, so that, I mean, that's really the thing is, especially when it becomes a longer work i like i invest in the characters as people uh-huh more than i do in a shorter thing uh-huh and i i then want to see like that investment that i'm put putting into those characters be like paid back in terms of like actual development of the characters and their relationships so the reason i brought this up tonight is that um i was reading a little bit more of saint Seiya. And let me just make a pitch to you on why... Forget about Hunter Hunter. Yeah. Hunter Hunter is very good at being one of these, but it's one of these. It's better than all the rest of these, but it's one of these. Saint Seiya is also one of these. I don't want to, like, get you... But, it, but also, even before you say anything, like, from just what I know about Saint Seiya, if I was to, like, create a, like, chart of, uh-huh. like, these sorts of things, there'd be, like, Shonen Battle in general, and then Saint Seiya's, like, moving towards Clamp. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Saint Seiya is moving towards clamp. It is mostly about boys having massive feelings about each other, um, but only being able to express that through punches. Um, but not in a like not in a like Naruto way. Um I mean Naruto's Gaoi, but like Yeah. Not in a bad parts of Naruto way. In a Sasuke and Naruto fighting type of way, where it's like we're having all these feelings for each other, and we exist in a society where men are only allowed to express themselves by punching, and um, so we shall punch. Struck uh, <laughs> work. Oh. Do you want me to bleep it? I can. I can you mark just it. Just bleep it. I can, I can mark yeah. it. Um. Yeah. 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 The book Fight Club. Yeah. The book <laughs> about how it is only acceptable to be kissed by another man if it literally burns your skin. Yes. Yeah. And this is this is the appeal of Saint Seiya to me so far is that it is a bunch of bishi boys just having like like I posted that page on Twitter earlier of like Seiya is like if Shiryu comes back, no, he's alive, he will come back. And and the mangaka just like on the if he comes back, just kind of draws Seiya in his usual kind of like cartoony Tezuka-ish style. And then upon being like, no, he will come back, um, draws him in the most like 
Here's all these little cross-hatched little lines to add all this detail to Saya's face, and his eyes are sparkling, and the the emotions are just welling up on the page. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Saint Seiya is to me, is it's all these boys um, just kind of being yaoi in the in general direction of each other. You can tell that Tagashi, the guy who does Hunter Hunter and Yu Hakusho, is really into this because, one... He's stolen the chain powers for a Hunter Hunter character, and he's chose stolen the dragon power for a Hunter Hunter character and a Yu Hakusho character. But also, you could tell he loves it because Kurama and Hiei are fucking in the exact same way that like uh, Seiya and Shiryu are fucking. Yeah. <laughs> Have I ever shown you my favorite Kurama and Hiei fan art? Or it's not fan art; it's official art. That's what I meant to say. This is just incredible. Um, this is not going to play on the podcast. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure you, oh yeah. Yeah, here we go. There's also, there's them on a park bench. Yeah, it's this one of them on the park bench with Kurama wearing his lesbian flannel and jeans and Hiei in his fucking white pants and his hoodie and they're gay as fuck. (laughs) Yeah, Kurama just got back from a Brandy Carlisle concert. (laughs) Kurama just got back from lubing his asshole. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> At a Brandy Carlisle concert. <laughs> Weirdly, Hiei also just did a douche. <laughs> like, they both cleaned out their assholes. <laughs> and you never know. You mm. never know. There's also this one. Yeah, this is the one that I've seen. This is the, this is the iconic this one. Is the, this is the, like... Uh, engagement announcement photograph. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> sitting on like this stone fence and Kurama putting his arm around Hiei who has only buttoned like one button on this shirt. <laughs> yeah. I love these two so much. They fucking. Um. <clears throat> so anyway, this is the non-homophobia zone. Oh, la- last thing I want to say. Um. Stanto and I were tweeting a little bit at each other of I really want to try and figure out how to make a Saint Seiya podcast with Santo work. And maybe with my new job being a Monday to Friday gig, I'll have to see. Yeah. If I start this, it won't be until 2024, you know? Yeah. And I might not start it. I'm not making any commitments, but I've just I just keep thinking about it and I think it would be a lot of fun and so if I can make it work, I'd like to make it work. I was going to ask if Gotham was going to be back when you start your new job, but no, that's like a strike thing at this point, basically. That's a... I, I, I mean, mean, there's I, a way I, for it to come back that's not, but... Yeah, it's <clears> also <throat> just like, I don't know, I feel like maybe with me taking a break from podcasts and everything that's gone on, I don't know, I think just we've kind of lost steam on that project. And I think, like, if Em and I want to hang out again on Fridays. Maybe we'll come back to Gotham City Limits or maybe we'll do something else. Like, I would certainly love to do more podcasts with M, but I think, like, I've just kind of... I'm kind of just glad to have one thing off my plate. Yeah. They're, they have brought, like, the the Dia LPs into their, like, regular schedule of stuff, which, frankly... I enjoy watching Dia and M do Let's Plays more than I do enjoy doing Gotham City Limits. Yeah. I would love to have a reason to talk to M every week, but like, 
I'll tell you what, I'm really, really, really fucking enjoying um uh watching them play Gabriel Knight too. Um and then I get to watch them play Flower, Sun and Rain after that. Um yeah. <clears throat> Flower, Sun and Rain's been great. I'm I'm Hey, did you watch the Gabriel Night too, or you just jumped in? With no, Flower I jumped Sun? in with Flowers yeah. on Rain. I, I, I have it. <clears throat> I have a um, watch later mm-hmm. like thing on my YouTube mm-hmm. that's just like a mix of like uh, so like Gabriel Knight's like hanging out in there, uh-huh. but mostly it's like the rest of streams that I've missed. Yeah. So I um God I there's one bit <laughs> in Gabriel Night too. Um, that I I thought about literally every day since I watched it, and it's in like their second episode, I think, where um Gabriel Knight goes to his lawyer and is like, "Oh, can you give me some papers proving that I'm from like this uh respected German aristocratic family or whatever, right?" Yeah. And the lawyer's like, "Oh yes, we have papers going back a thousand, like a hundred years or whatever it is, you know." <laughs> And Dan just says in the worst German accent, would you like to know what they were up to during World War II? (laughs) (laughs) I think about Dia's terrible German accent like once a day. (laughs) It's so fucking funny. (laughs) Yeah. Um, People should... YouTube.com slash DLacina. Please go watch the Gabriel Knight 2 LP. Also watch the Dark Souls 2 LP. I I liked Dia and Trevor playing... uh, I think his name's Trevor. Playing Dark Souls 1, but the Dark Souls 2 one has been my preferred of the LPs that um, Dia has done of Dark Souls. So... Um, Derby forever. So anyway, this is not on Homophobia Zone. Hi, everybody. I think we could have just said our names back when I first started doing it. We'll, we'll do it here. We'll do it here. I'm Autumn. I'm joined as always by Nia. Hi, I'm Neve. And I'm joined by Neve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else we got to talk about? I, we were kind of talking about this like earlier tonight. Like, I've been in the Shonen Zonin, and I talked about some of that on Coffee and Comic Books. I talked about some of that here. There's not a lot to really report, especially because yeah. I didn't, I didn't really finish anything this week except a big arc of Hunter Hunter. You know? Yeah, we watched like a little bit of Paradise Kiss, but not enough to. We watched one episode, yeah. and it was a really good episode. I think it was my favorite episode so far. Yeah. But, um, I read one chapter of Nana, a podcast you are are already going to do a podcast about. So, yeah, a manga you are already going to do a podcast about. I'm I actively, would... I mean. I haven't done one about that chapter yet, but I um listened to the intro episode of this season of Ghost Divers, and I resolved in myself that I will finish Nana um soon, and I will hop in for the last episode or the question bucket or something. I know I have months, you know. Yeah. Um, and I know I have a lot of other manga on my plate, and so that's why I'm not being like, I'm gonna jump in with episode three and just be on the rest of the season. I'm just like, I want to finish Nana and tag along with y'all, kind of like how I ended up doing Utena, where I just showed up for the last one. You yeah. Know? Um. Um. I'll say so. The the first discussion episodes out, which is the first volume. Um. If people have are like in the process of reading Nana. They can probably check that one out. Mm. <clears throat> There's stuff that we talk about that goes beyond volume one, but a lot of it is sort of just like uh, 
is even just like the the sort of the beginning of the two Nanas together. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say like we we like very obliquely reference spoilers for like end of the manga stuff, but it's like very oblique. But like otherwise, it's like if if you've read up to um like nine or ten, mm-hmm. like. You you've seen even the stuff that we're like kind of talking. We're not actually specifically spoiling what we're talking about. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I um I I know you to say not to do this in the intro episode. I probably just as I get to it will listen along. Um, even if I haven't finished, I will try to push myself to finish soon so that I don't get spoiled on stuff. But like, I'm not a person who really worries too much about spoilers yeah. and I really enjoyed the intro episode you did and so I would like to just I think the 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 biggest thing where I'm like it's less even about spoilers and it's more if somebody has only read volume 1 and they haven't read past that and they listen to that episode we are talking so much about cuz cuz really those those first two one shots like important narrative stuff happens for understanding sort of the backstory or where these characters came from. I think like, it's not like the core narrative of what Nana is. Yeah. And so there's ways that we're talking about like, Oh yeah. Like, uh, Komatsu Nana's like one shot has ways that it's going to like repeat, Mm. but instead of it being about Shoji, it'll be about Nana. Mm -hmm. And there's like ways that you can see how she like responded to this person. And then she's going to do it again to another. So it's, like, important for, like, we're doing that of, like, this is still, like, important context of, like, this is how she treated mm-hmm. a relationship previously. She's, like, doing similar things with Nana later. But then, it, like, all of that is stuff where, like, if people are, uh, if people have only read volume one, they'd be like, I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about with, like, I half do, the names and stuff we say. I do think that volume one is the weakest volume of Nana. I mean, it's... I think there are probably some weaker volumes, but, um... I just, I just know, for me, the first volume didn't really hook me nearly as much as the first episode of the anime, even. And I don't really, I don't have a ton of interest in the anime, just because it looks like, it doesn't look visually as appealing to me as the manga does, you know? I don't have a ton of interest in it, but the, the jumping into the Nanas meeting each other was a better way to get me interested in the story than... Well, and it's also a thing of, like, like we talk about in the episode for Volume 1, that even in the beginning, there's stuff that's framed as this, like, the character is talking about their past from some sort of future. And when those one-shots were written, she probably didn't have a sense of what that was. Mm -hmm. But when you go to make the anime... You can then have right. here they are meeting. Remember when we first met? You then jump back in time. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. And then here's like the backstories and all that. But mm-hmm. um, because yeah, even like from the first page of of volume two, um, like it it immediately starts with Hachi saying to Nana like. I'll always remember the day that we first met. And the day that they first met is like when she gets a text from Shoji being like, Hey, I, I got in, you can move to Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And then she runs off to like 
you know, get on a train immediately. Mm. But in her, in her memory, that day is not important because that's when I moved to be with Shoji. It's that's when I met you. Right. So, yeah. Like from page one, there's like already important stuff, but yeah. Um, but yeah, the first volumes are far more. This is backstory for the characters. So, yeah. Um, um, I continue to really enjoy Paracus. I saw your big volume, your big three in one volume on your shelf. Um, and I thought about like five or something. I forget how many volumes are. It's a, it's a, has. it's a big MF. Yeah. I thought about borrowing it. I don't know. I kind of just like, we're far enough into the anime that I'm like, either I need to read this and just be done with the story or I need to like totally avoid this until we are able to finish the anime which at the pace that we've been going is going to take like weeks, you know? Yeah. Just because like we didn't have a chance to hang out last week and this week we only watched one episode and next week I'm visiting my parents so we might not hang out again and then the week after that maybe we'll watch two episodes if we can hopefully but you know. Yeah. So I might I might be able I might end up reading the manga just so I can get the story as quickly as I can. But I'm yeah. also really invested in the anime because I think the anime does a lot of like appealing like direction stuff, you know, in a way that the 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 Nana anime is kind of just like like shot reverse shot characters talking, you yeah. know, like standard standard direction stuff because And not entirely uh, like, there's a lot of, two. like, well, this is just how it was framed in the manga, and we're just going to do uh-huh. that same framing here. Uh-huh. Um, and it, like, there's a lot of, like, basic, I think there's, like, a little bit that's omitted, and there's a little bit that's added with the anime, but for the most part, it's, like, everything that happens mm. happens, you know? Yeah. Um, the only thing that really stood out to me is, like, I mean, one... Just having the music is a different effect. Sure. sure. Um, and the other thing with the, the anime, there's one scene that I don't think happens in the manga at all where um, they basically make more explicit that, like, the brand of cigarettes that Yasu smokes, which have, are those, like, black ones, mm-hmm. are called Blackstones, and they're named after the cigarettes. Like, the band is named after the cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's like a whole thing where they're trying to decide what the name of the band is going to be. And there's like a little like, uh, it's not like a whole thing, but there's like a scene, you know, mm-hmm. like a flashback scene about that. Where, um, and then in that they then draw attention to, and the way that the manga doesn't, the different cigarettes that people smoke and why, and like calling attention to like when Nana will smoke uh-huh. black stones the cigarettes that like Yasu smokes, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's like the one big change, which is all there in the manga. It's just not like talked about in the same way. Nana is the last big media property where smoking is a key element. Nana is like, that's not true. That's yeah. like clearly not true, but I just feel like smoking is a thing that has sort of been, pushed to the margins of a lot of people's lives that was like smoking was like such a normalized thing in the 20th century you know 
Yeah. And, and, and people just are smoking all the time in movies and TV shows and comics and everything. And then it's been, since you can't smoke indoors anymore, um, as you rightfully should not, <laughs> you know, yeah. it is a thing that it just like doesn't show up in media anymore. And I feel like Nana is one of the last things where it's like, this is from the 21st century. This is about current modern life. And also everybody in here is smokers, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but also I know that like some of that, like, I feel like when I was in like China for my brother's wedding, there's just a lot more public smoking as well. Yeah, that's probably so, true. Uh, I think there's like certain cultural things around yeah. where that's, where that shift has happened more or less. Yeah. But, um, um, and I, I, I don't know exactly where I imagine by now Japan's probably less of a, everybody smoking indoors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just like the the images that I have of. It's also probably a thing where, like, as it's gotten less acceptable in American media, there's probably a lot of, like, Japanese media that doesn't portray smoking because if you're trying to export it to America, you're going to, you know, yeah. adhere to American social values. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Um, Smoking's cool, though. Don't do it, but it is cool. Yeah. That's my advice to you. Um. It, yeah, definitely. I I don't recommend doing it. Uh, no, don't. It, it don't do it for no other reason than it's fucking expensive, and you don't actually get that much out of it. You know. Yeah, you do <laughs> like the first little bit. Yeah, you're like, oh, whoa, this is cool. Yeah. Uh, and then you just get like, you know, the the tolerance like hits fast. Yeah. Um. So. Um, I want to get some water real quick. I know we're only at the 30 minute mark, but I just, I realized I don't have any water in here and I would love to take a little pause for the cause of hydration. Okay. Am I supposed to vamp or are we just, well, I'll try to vamp and I can just cut it if I don't. Go get water. Do you want me to fill up yours? Um, sure. I was thinking of, but I don't know how easy it would be to get. Because the that like linen closet has the liquid death in it, and that would be nice for my throat right now. But um, also, that linen closet is a cesspit, so you can try opening it and seeing if you can see the box. And if you can't, pretty quickly, just abandon ship. Okay. <sighs> the funniest thing with so like we're in the same space right now. You know, like, Autumn's just over at my house in my closet recording. And so, when when I'm, like, recording with somebody remotely, you know, like, this is this is normal practice. Uh, like, Em and I are recording Longfire. Or uh, Connor and I were record- recording Ghost Divers. Um, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, bathroom breaks, stuff like that. Um, you You get up. And you just let, like, audacity run, you know? Because um, you, you already sort of have some way of timing it up. If you, like, stop and start, it's going to become an absolute mess trying to sync up, like, all the different places where you stopped and start. So you just let it run the entire time, you know? Um, you know, Ghost Divers, like, we've had some long recordings where it 
the actual recording is even longer than like the episode because we have to like get up for body breaks multiple times. Um, not always, but sometimes here there's no syncing. We have, there's one file. I'm going to, I'm going to run the audio processing on this. I'm going to like cut and move stuff around a little bit and I'm going to put music at the front and music at the back and you know, whatever else nonsense I'm doing for non-homophobia. So I'm going to, I'm going to do audio music, uh, audio music. Well, I'm also going to do music at the front. It's one song's picked by Autumn and one song's picked by me. We're going to do it like that, but so there'll be like, you know, whatever song one of us picks audio, um, Bella Lugosi's dead and, more audio the other song that the other one of us picks uh and i'm just gonna like do that little edit and that's it you know i'm just like dragging part of i'm dragging the end to the front basically um but i could just stop it right now i could just hit stop and we could hit record and we're ready to go again there's like no no necessity to sync things here and yet, here I am vamping. Anyway. Why? Why am I doing this? Why are you... You're, you're listening to this? You're listening to this right now? I could have hit stop. And just hit record again when Autumn was done getting some water. But now. Um, so anyway. People should listen to Ghost Divers. Um... You know, obviously, you have to read, like, at least a fair amount of Nana before you start really getting into the episodes, but uh, it's worth it. Did you know that I like Nana? Uh, I'm actually wearing my Nana shirt today. What about having a toddler? Sometimes there's just random shit on your shirt. So they, like, had shit on their... Not, like, literal shit, but, like, food. Oh. Yeah, probably. Did you, like, spill it all over yourself? No. I just, uh, I was carrying two water bottles and four chamoy gummy bears. Mm. Would mm. you like two chamoy gummy bears? Sure. Um. These are really fucking good, by the way. Yeah. I've been sneaking one or two when you're not looking. I'm kind of forgotten about them at this point. So. Oh, I love them. I do too, but we just had those for a while, mm. and I've sort of forgotten about them. Fair enough. Um, I was vamping about how I really didn't need to be vamping, because not only can I cut that out, mm-hmm. but we don't have to sync anything. I could just hit stop. Yeah. And they listen. They listen to all of that. <laughs> me just talking about how pointless it was for me to be doing this and for them to be listening to it. Anyway, welcome back. You got some water? I got some water. It's tasty. Got some chamoy gummies. You have such an array of ice cube trays. I yeah. I have two ice cube trays in my home. Well, so we have the, like, our fridge just in the apartment that we're in mm-hmm. makes ice. Yes. And then... You also have little spherical ice trays. Those are extremely Emily. You also have little spherical ice trays. Mm. You have these ones that I quite like that give you long, thin ice cubes. Yeah, for water bottles. For water bottles. 
Um, which I do really appreciate because I like yeah. ice in my water. Those ones make a lot of sense to me. Um, you also have ice trays that make one gigantic cube for if you wanted to do like whiskey on the rocks or something, you know. Yeah, if you want like a a big like going to melt slowly ice cube. Yeah. To really keep your drink cold for a while. Um, and then I think you also have a regular ice tray in there somewhere. Well, there is one that's also making like cubes. But they're like smaller cubes. Yes. Because those big ones are going to fit in like a nice rocks glass, but not like a Collins glass or something, you know? It's just... So like a Collins glass, you've got like three of those. But those are for like, I want to make a nice cocktail. I want like a nice uh, cube of ice, like an actual like cube, not like... I just don't think this much about the ice in my life, you know? I just I just don't put this much thought into it. I do know... um. That I used to have a coworker who she would leave every night from work with a large cup of ice um, and put it in her freezer because she liked Starbucks ice the best, which I do kind of agree with. I think Starbucks ice is really good ice. It has like it's like the the cylinder, right? It's like a small cylinder. Like there's a it's hole kind of, through it. No, no, that's like. They're like, it's like those ice cubes that are like flat here, right? Like my, if the ice cube was in my palm, it would be flat against my palm and then have sort of a dome shape, um, coming up out of it. Oh, yeah. Let me look. Um. Yeah. I do really like the ice at Starbucks. I realized that, oh, we talked about this before, that I'm not going to be able to go to Starbucks anymore because I'm not going to be able, I'm going to have to pay for Starbucks, which yeah, I won't be able to afford. Um, yeah. Well, and it's also that thing of like... A grande brown sugar shaken espresso is six thirty seven now. Yeah. I mean, one, it, like, it costs a fair, like, Starbucks just costs a lot of money. Yeah. Like, sort of generally for coffee. Yeah. Um, it also costs, like, approximately the same as going to, like, a good local cafe. Uh-huh. But also, you've just spent time knowing how to make coffee. So now you know how to make a variety of coffees at home. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's cheaper. And so, the at least for me, the experience I had was, one... There's that, like, I know how to make good coffee at home. When I want to have a coffee that's, like, a treat, I am more inclined to go to a place that is, like, making it really well. Mm. It is going to, like, you know, have higher quality, like, well-roasted beans, stuff like that. I guess maybe, like... But then the other thing, too, is in the way that, like, Emily likes Starbucks and Starbucks has a certain value to her. And it became severe, that value, which I may have once had, became severely devalued by, I could just have it for free or for very cheap. Right. Um, I could just be working and just make myself a drink when I left. Mm -hmm. That was just a drink for me that I didn't have to pay for. Right. And I know everything that's in that. Yeah. And stuff. And it's like, I, I made like. A thousand of those a day. You're telling me I have to pay how much money for one? Well, and I just know 
I know that I'm gonna be deranged about it. Because, okay, because when I make coffee at home, I drink black coffee. I don't mm-hmm. have any sort of, I guess I have a mocha pot, but I don't really have a way of making espresso at home, and I'm also not much of an espresso drinker. If I were going to go to, say, Collectivo, which is, there's a collective, there's a couple Collectivos throughout Chicago, and there's one near my apartment, or if I were going to go to Dollop, I would, I would probably get an espresso drink at a Cortado or something like that, you know? Yeah. And that's because when you go to a place like that, I feel like they have pretty high quality coffee and I can't make espresso at home. And so it's a nice little like I can get something different, you know? When I go to Starbucks, the espresso is extremely low quality. Yeah. And I really like my brown sugar shake and espresso that I get. But that's because I am covering up the low quality espresso with a bunch of sugar and cinnamon and oat milk, you know? Yeah. Or, uh, you know, in the afternoons, I'll usually get a black tea lemonade with classic syrup instead of the liquid cane because the liquid cane tastes terrible. Um, and like, but I don't, I don't go to Starbucks to get a latte because yeah. the espresso is bad. Yeah. And so, but like, do I really like a brown sugar shake and espresso enough that I will continue no. to go to Starbucks? You, you, right now, you have a fondness for that. Because, I have a fondness because I have to drink it at 5 a.m. or I'll die. <laughs> yeah, because that is... You have a fondness for it in the same way that you have a fondness for maybe not the best cup of coffee that you make at home, but you make it your way. Yeah. And it's cheap. Yeah, this is the other thing, is that like a couple days ago, I left work and I went and grabbed Chipotle across the street. And then I was like, you know what? I didn't want to pay for a drink at Chipotle. I'm going to come back to work. I got them. I got a black tea lemonade. I just came through the drive-thru, right? And I tasted it, and I was like, they didn't shake my black tea lemonade. And I... I didn't want to be a Karen at my own place of employment. And so I just... I just stirred it as best I could and went about my merry way. But I know that once I'm not working at Starbucks anymore, if I taste it, and I'm like, you didn't shake my black tea lemonade, I... I, I don't want to be a Karen, but also, I can tell when you didn't shake it. Yeah. I know. I worked here for five years. Yeah. I have a little plaque. They gave me a plaque last month. Yeah. And I can tell when the drink wasn't shaken, and I like it to be shaken. When I get a glass of water at work, I shake it now, because when you shake it, it gets colder, and I like that. Yeah. Um, And I know, I just know... You're you're also going to realize, in a way that, like, currently you go, and you get stuff, and it does taste right, or it doesn't, or something, but you're also going to realize, maybe this is, like, extra me, and the Mm -hmm. way that I did things, but you're even going to realize that, like, when I made the drink for me, I did it, like, I wasn't really thinking about how I was doing a special twist, but I was doing a special twist. Yeah, I'm, like, looking at it, and I'm like, hmm... It needs a little extra shake of cinnamon today. Oh, you know, that first pump of brown sugar just didn't come out quite right. I'm going to do an extra pump. Oh, no, I need to do one less pump today. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, And that's all gone. And now it's just some person who's overworked 
and is having to just get as many of these out the door as possible yeah. is going to make one for you. And you're going to be like, why did I pay this much money for this? Yeah. I literally drank this for free most I, days. I, I, I am sort of tentatively planning on, especially in October and November, I want to come through my old Starbucks on the weekends to say hi to everybody, see how everybody's doing, um, all that sort of stuff. Um, and I just, like, I just know that I'm going to be like, hey, what up? How you doing, so-and-so? Can I just come back there and make my drink? I can't, I can't, I can't just come back there and make my drink? No. Well, I don't want any of the food here, and I want to be the one that makes my drink, so. Yeah. There's the other thing, too, is, like, I didn't really ever like the food, at Starbucks, I but there's never... still because you just get like food on your lunches and stuff yeah. from Starbucks, and so there's still the way of like, uh that like bacon gouda is okay or whatever. I don't like the turkey pesto sandwich. I have, however, eaten the turkey pesto sandwich yeah. every day for about three years now. And then here's the biggest thing: just as somebody who previously worked at a Starbucks and then left, uh-huh. that you uh, you are not aware of. Yet that you're mm-hmm. going to have this, that time will pass and you're going to go in and it's going to smell like a Starbucks. And right <laughs> now you don't re- you don't know that Starbucks smells like Starbucks uh-huh. because some of the stuff that you just own in your house right now smells like Starbucks uh-huh. and it's going to lose that smell. Uh-huh. And your nose <laughs> is not going to be like uh, blasted so like constantly with Starbucks smell mm-hmm. that it no longer fires receptors when it smells Starbucks smell. And you're going to go in and you're immediately going to smell those syrups and you're immediately going to smell pike roast, pike roast, specifically pike roast. And you're going to smell it and you're going to be like, I need to get out of here. I don't want to go back to a Starbucks. I was trapped here. I need to get out. (laughs) There is you talking about pike roast reminded me of something. So we have had of late a customer who is a real, real see you next Tuesday. You know, Mm. and every day she orders Pike and she's like, this is too bitter. Remake it. And I'm like, it all comes from the same pot. I I will re I will pour you another cup. It comes from the same pot. Yeah. Like, well, it's too bitter. I don't like it. And and I just I have hit a point where I told her to her face, like, you're not banned from the Starbucks. But I'm not serving you anymore because you send your drink back every day and you are rude to me. And so when I see you, I will send someone else to go talk to you because I don't want to talk to you. And I just have told her that straight up. (laughs) (laughs) This week, she sent her Pike place back and my manager very politely was like, ma'am, have you ever thought about ordering something else? Because you seem pretty upset about your drink every single day. And she's like, what's your manager's name? And my manager was like, my name is... I almost said her name. <laughs> she, she was just like, my name is blah, blah, blah. Uh, you can email me at this. Or you, my uh, district manager's contact card is over there. I didn't mean to offend you in any way. I am just noticing that you have complained about your coffee being too bitter every single day. And perhaps you do not like black coffee. <laughs> and I'm just, I can't, I can't. 
No one likes pike, lady. It's yeah. bitter. It tastes like ass. No one likes it. No one. Yeah. The people who drink it are just like, I want to go to Starbucks because it's a big international company, and I order a coffee because that's what I want is just a coffee. But no one likes Pike Place. And you come here when we're brewing other things. We're brewing our dark roast or our blonde roast that are not so bitter. That are, like, marginally drinkable. But Pike Place is the worst coffee on the planet Earth. There was a guy when I worked at Starbucks... Uh, who came in every single day and wanted a pour over of Pike Place. I used to have And I was like, I will make this for you, sir. And you seem happy with it. But I I don't understand you. I had a guy in when I lived in St. Louis who's like, I need a pour over of Pike Place. And I was like, I have some that just brewed fresh. He's like, no, I need a pour over. And I, I asked him once, I'm like, why do you insist on a pour over? Because he would come in at like 8 p.m. And he's like, well, I have an ulcer. And coffee from the coffee machine aggravates my ulcer. And and the pour over doesn't. And I'm, I <laughs> told him just straight up because I was moving out of St. Louis in like a week or two. I was like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> what? <laughs> he's like, well, my doctor said that I can't have it from the machine. I can only have a pour over. And I'm like. Your doc I didn't say your doctor's a moron, but I did want to. I just said that doesn't make any sense. Uh, there was also one one more story. Because I just I just have so many customer stories that I don't usually tell them on the before podcast. Before you do that, should I should I do one? Yeah, hit me, hit me. I think I may have mentioned this guy on the podcast before. Cause I think about him all the time. Uh he would come in and he wanted a bone dry mm-hmm. cappuccino. Mm-hmm. Bone dry. Mm-hmm. And it was like a, I don't think it, it, I don't know if it was a venti or a grande, but it was like large too. Yeah. Right? It was like a a bigger one. It's not like he's doing this with like a tall. Um, if people don't know Starbucks sizes, small, medium, large, medium, large. Yeah. And I think it was a larger one then. And he wanted it with skim milk. Mm-hmm. And, and what he wanted was you to take skim milk and steam it a bunch, and then scoop the foam off the top and put the foam in the cup. But only the foam, no liquid. If any liquid got in, he would ask you to remake it. Like any, like, mm-hmm. liquid milk. You, like, yeah. literally were just kidding. And after, like, a little bit, and, like, he got very upset, and I just, I was like, do you know what milk foam is? Do you know what what creates the bubbles of milk foam is the milk fat. Mm -hmm. So when you ask for the milk foam from skim milk, it might be slightly less, maybe slightly, Mm -hmm. but it is predominantly the exact same substance as it would be from whole milk. Mm -hmm. I just get less of it and then throw more skim milk away. If you I, let me do it with whole milk, I wouldn't have to do three to four steaming a pitcher of yeah. the biggest pitcher of yeah. milk. I could do one, maybe two. Yeah. I um, <laughs> there was a, there was a gentleman a couple weeks ago who was like, "I want six decaf cups of coffee," and I was like, "Okay." 
Um, I don't have any decaf ready to go right now, but I'll just brew a pot of coffee for you. And he's like, no. And I was like, okay, well, if I can't brew a pot of coffee for you, how am I going to get you decaf? And he's like, I want you to make six decaf pour-overs. And I looked at him and I'm like, okay, you see that line out there? You see that line in here? I will make you six decaf pour-overs. It's going to take me a long time. It is going to take me a very long time. And he's like, that's fine. I'm okay with that. Do your job. And I was like, okay. And then three minutes later, he's like, why is my coffee taking so long? I'm like, I told you it would take a long time. Go sit down. (laughs) And then he came back three minutes later. He's like, why is my coffee taking so long? I'm like, I got two of them done so far. You want four more. It's going to, and he ended up standing over the counter and watching. And he'd be like, why aren't you making my drinks all the time? I'm like, well, pour overs, just take time to drip. And I'm not going to stand here and watch them drip when I could be making coffees for other people. (laughs) And he's like, well, why is it taking so long? I'm like, I literally told you that it would take a long time. Yeah. And if you had wanted less time, I gave you an option for that. And you threw a 50-year-old man fit about it. Yeah. So I don't know how to help you, my man. Um, putting, it, putting in my notice has really opened me up to just being an asshole to customers. Yeah. I was, I was yelling at a customer on Sunday. We had this situation on Sunday where we were closing unexpectedly at 2 p.m. Um, and there was, like, this massive line... And three of my people didn't come into work that day. Um, and there's this huge line. And there's this one guy who's, like, yelling at me. He's like, where's my coffee? And I'm like, get out of here. And he's like, where's my coffee? I'm like, stop yelling at me and leave me alone. He's like, where's my coffee? And I'm like, I got stuff to do. Leave me the fuck alone. And he's like, I want my coffee. I'm like, that's cool. You'll get it when you get it. And I was just jawing at him, like, back. Yeah. At, like, we're both just yelling at each other. And I'm not even, I wasn't even on the bar. I was not making the drinks. I was over by the ovens making the food. And he's yelling at me because he could tell I was the manager at the time. Yeah. And I'm just like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I was just yelling at him. I told my manager about it the next day. She's like, you shouldn't do that. And I'm like, what are you going to do, fire me? And she's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was... Uh, so we're at two Starbucks locations, and mm. one of them, um, they closed down supposedly because uh, complaints from baristas that the neighborhood was unsafe. The Starbucks was in the neighborhood that I lived in. It was, yeah, yeah. They just threw us under the bus, but uh, they closed it because. Um, Where have I heard that story before? Yeah, <laughs> it, it was one of the remaining uh, Magic Johnson stores, um, which goes way back. I don't know anything about that. It was like a an effort to like get various stores like not in just extremely white locations. Oh, like back in the day. Okay. So one, it was one of the remaining ones. So there's like a some like important historical stuff around it. Mm-hmm. But also, they just had kind of neglected us, so we we weren't like like nothing was updated to the new aesthetic that mm-hmm. it was supposed to be. So it needed to be renovated. And so rather than renovate it, they closed. They chose to just close us down and probably try to open up a store somewhere else. Hmm. Um, but then they threw us under the bus and said the neighborhood wasn't safe. 
because they're kind of a racist company. They're kind of a racist company. Yeah. But anyway, um, that we, we made like decent money. We didn't have like a huge staff. Like we weren't getting a ton of customers. It wasn't the most like hop in location. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and evenings in particular were like, you know, there's two of us and we're doing everything. Mm-hmm. But it's most like most of it was cleaning. We did a lot of the like we would close the doors and then it was just like a half hour to like do the final little bits, mm-hmm. you know, that you like can't do while customers are there. Yeah. Because you have to like throw you have to like run the machine so you can't make espresso anymore. Right. Right. You know, put the like cleaner in and stuff. Yeah. It was like literally just that there was no other like big clean play stuff. Mm-hmm. So we were able to get it done that night. Um, And so, you know, especially then, like we were still able to get customers and stuff, but it was like. Especially as it got towards the very end of the night, mm-hmm. it was slow. Yeah. You know, there's like people coming. There's a lot of people like sitting and like there, and maybe they come up and get another drink or something. There, and what? there was this one like rich couple who lived like downtown Chicago, like mm-hmm. downtown Chicago. Mm-hmm. And they would come to our Starbucks. They would drive up, and they would uh, go and get Starbucks here. And they're like, "You oh, you like make it right." And I was mm. like, well, one, it's like we have the time to. Yeah. And two, I do actually care enough. And like back then, like it was manually adjusting the grind and stuff yeah. that I was doing that. And I'm sure lots of people weren't. Yeah. And now it's like all automated or whatever. Um, automated. Yeah. It's so it it works so good now that they automated that. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Um, <laughs> and so I was like, I believe that like we make the best like Starbucks coffee that you're getting in the city. Uh huh. But also, you live in downtown Chicago. Right. You can go to a real coffee shop. That's the... it's probably in the like first floor of the building you live in. You rich fucks. There is, there is somebody. <laughs> maybe it was like this time last year. It, well, I guess I guess this time last year I was still working at the the store that they closed down or whatever. Yeah, but maybe like January of this year, something like that. There was somebody who came in. And was like, do you have those, like, little Chicago been here mugs or whatever? And I was like, yeah, we got them. And she's like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. I drove two hours to get to this Starbucks, and I was just really hoping you'd have these. And I was like, you drove two hours in the city of Chicago, and this is the first Starbucks you went? What? (laughs) What? (laughs) There's... Four other Starbucks in a quarter mile of here. Yeah. There's a Starbucks. You could probably go to a Target and there'd be a Starbucks in there with the Chicago mug. Yes. <laughs> and there's a Starbucks or there's a Target less than a mile from here. There's a Starbucks three quarters of a mile from here that's not even in my district, technically. It's like a different Starbucks district. And it's still super duper close to here. <laughs> I was so baffled by her saying, <laughs> "I'm just like, how did you drive two hours and only hit one Starbucks?" Yeah. Um. Anyway, I'm sorry to be talking about Starbucks so much. I mean, you're almost free. I'm. Um, I guess. This is the this is the vent episode. I've got. Six shifts left. 
Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I'm off three days, and then Saturday, Sunday again. Six shifts. So when people hear this, if they're listening to it on Tuesday in the Patreon feed. I'll have two shifts left. Yeah. Well, I'll well, probably you'll be, be in the middle of one. I'll be in the middle of the third one. Yeah. I'm really... If they're t- listening to it in the free feed, you are done. I'm really tempted to not show up for my last two shifts, but I will. Um, I think things I want to do on my last shift at Starbucks is, one, um, I want to order a bunch of product we don't need in the... In the <laughs> <laughs> like, I know that one of... One of the other people who works here at this particular store is like, when she first started working here a couple months ago, we had so many tall dome lids for for whatever reason. She's like, why do we have 20 sleeves of tall dome lids? I, I hate it. And I just know it's like one of her pet peeves. And so I really want to order like 20 sleeves of tall dome lids just, just to like rib her a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um, and the other thing I want to do, if you're, if you, dear listener ever go to starbucks you're you listening to this you're a good person and so i know you don't do this and if if you are do the behavior that i'm about to describe i know you don't you know like i know that you're a good person in your heart and you would never do some fuck shit like this and so if you are doing some fuck shit like this stop i hate when people come to the starbucks and fucking stare at you while you make their drink. They just stand over near the bar area and they just look at you like you're a goddamn zoo animal. And so I really want on my last Sunday at Starbucks to just stand on the bar at some point and just stop making drinks that stare at a customer and be like, yeah, yeah, you don't like that, huh? <laughs> I don't know if I actually will do this, but I've been dreaming yeah. about it for a year now of just stopping somebody's drink halfway through and be like, what up? Yeah. Um. Anyway, I have a story I can't tell on a podcast. That's shit talking coworker. You heard the story already, so. Ugh. Sorry, sorry, everybody, for talking about Starbucks so much. It's just been the only thing I've thought about for five years. Yeah, and soon you'll be free. I'll be free. Um, I'll have such a boring job. I haven't really talked about any of my, what, what, I don't have, like, much else that I've done. Um, I was pretty depressed last week, mm-hmm. so that, uh, had its effect. Mm. Um, my ability to, to multitask and, like, watch a movie, I haven't even, like, really tried yet at work, but mm-hmm. may, maybe I'll be able to, like, have some, uh, more mindless work where I'll put something on. But it's truly been like podcasts uh, that I can follow and, um, you know, Nerissa Ravencroft streams. I'm opening up my... That's been my... Sorry. The other things that I've done, um, it's been been postponed for an understandable reason, but we're going to do a Blades campaign, just like not as a podcast or anything. Yeah, that's... Um, and so there's been a certain amount of like me thinking about my character, like mm-hmm. spending free time making like a playlist of like vibes music for the character. Yeah. Um, I like have a little notebook that I like put the character sheet in and stuff that I'll probably use. I feel um, fine saying it'll be you, me, uh, Nora and Grace of Safe Room. 
Um, yeah. But that's, yeah, that's not a podcast. That's just, we are three, we are four friends, and we will play Blades in the Blark. Blade, blah, 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 blah. Blades in the Blark. Blades <laughs> in the Blark. Um, so, yeah, that's been, like, part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also been, like, I was also kind of sick last week that slightly overlapped with, mm-hmm. um, with me, like, being depressed. I was intensely mentally ill last week, too. Yeah. So there, there was also a lot less of, like, the other big thing, which I'm not going to go into too much detail about, uh, it did interrupt an episode of, like, the episode that just went out of Nana, the volume one episode. Mm. Uh, of our non discussion. Um, but my kid's been having night terrors. Mm. Um, which, you know, probably related to, like, stress of new school and then also, like, not sleeping enough right now, I don't think. But, uh, that's also been a thing that, like, you know, maybe I will, like, fall asleep or I'll be starting to fall asleep because often the night terrors are happening, like, around... I would say it's, like, midnight to two, but it's most likely to happen, like, more close to midnight. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that can, like, wake me up. And then, especially when a kid's in that state of night terror, there's, like, no really w- way to, like, console them or whatever. They just have to, like, get out of it themselves. Mm-hmm. But then you also kind of want to be there to, like, help with the come down mm-hmm. and, like, help get them back to sleep because otherwise they're just sort of on alone after having, like, a weird what just happened. Like, not... Because, like, while it's actually happening, like, my kid will be, like, saying things or, like, moving around but, like, has no awareness. It's like they're still asleep. Mm-hmm. They're, like, acting something out or whatever. Yeah. They don't really know what night terrors are. But yeah. uh, that's affected my sleep. So I've also been, like, going to bed earlier when I can. Um... All of this to say, uh, like, the few nights that I have had where I've actually gotten to sit down and do something, I've just been, like, slowly building, like, another piece of the high-grade Arjarja. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully... I've been building some models. Sorry. In, I, in I, Starfield? I, I found, a, I found a, a moment to seg, uh-huh. and I jumped on it. Well, the, the moment to seg- uh, segue here that I was going to bring up is... Uh, I also just today ordered a Steam Deck, so maybe I'll be gamer-moded soon. I hope so. I um, I hope it hits for you. With it, I also... And I bought it, but I can't play it because I don't have a Windows computer right now. So I ju- they're just in my Steam, like, unable to play until the Steam Deck comes. But I got um, Armor Core 6. Oh, cool. So it's been a while since I've played an Armor Core, and I'm yeah. excited about that. Um, and then I also got Soul Hackers too. Cause oh, fun! Yeah, I'm excited for you. Um, so Soul Hackers two is like the one thing that I was like, this is like I think it's technically on like uh PlayStation four or whatever as well. Mm. Like I could have gotten it, but I was like, it was like the It'll thing be... that I was waiting for, like to get a next yeah. gen thing. Yeah, to get yeah. Um, it's Soul Hackers too because it it's also there wasn't like enough of a push for like. Mm-hmm. Like, I really like Soul Hackers, but there's not enough of a push there for me to be like, oh, I'm going to get it. And I I just don't game on the TV. Yeah. Really. Yeah. I do with my toddler. When my kid wants to play a game, we're doing it on the TV. But, like, in the evening, Emily wants to watch, like, Taskmaster or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it, I, I just tend to prefer Portable anyway. So I... 
Um, You've been playing a lot of Starfield. I've been kind of thinking about it, but I probably have to wait until, like, they have enough stuff with... Even yeah. if I want to play it, I need, like, people to do the work to make it run better on Steam Deck, I think. Yeah, yeah, I don't... Which might happen, but it'll probably take a while. Yeah, um... No, I was going to say briefly, I... So, I've been witching on the Steam Deck my, for most of the summer... Um, the Steam Steam Deck was the Geralt box, and I've been kind of feeling the pull to put something new on there, but I haven't really known what to put on there. And I'm thinking, specifically, I want a new game to run on the emulators there. Oh, I'll show you when your deck gets here how to set up Emulation Station. Yeah. It's pretty straightforward, but it does require getting into, like, the, the desktop mode version of it. And yeah. so, it's it's easy but you might just want another person to be like, oh, I did this. Here is this little technical issue I had or you yeah. know, whatever it is. Um, I bet it's also gotten easier in the years since I've done it. But I need to I want to pick like maybe a new JRPG to put on the deck or I know I have Silent Hill 3 on there. And I, I played Silent Hill 1 last year as one of my favorite games of all time. I tried Silent Hill 2 and it was too scary. What do you what do you? Make an eyes at me for. Chrono Cross? Chrono Cross is a good pick. Chrono Cross is an excellent... Um, Especially if you're emulating, then you don't even have to mess with the Radical Dreamers version. Yeah. Okay, Chrono Cross might be the one. Chrono Cross might be on there already, even. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Um, I also maybe could pick, like, Vagrant Story or just some other PS1 RPG. Final Fantasy X, maybe. I don't know. Have you, have you played Final Fantasy, Final, <coughs> Final Fantasy then? Okay, let me run you through Final Fantasy 1. I have watched Nora play some of. Oh, okay. 2, 3, no. 4, I played Final Fantasy 4 Advance when I was like 15, and I first learned what emulators were, and I basically just put every Game Boy Advance game onto my uh, laptop. And I started Final Fantasy IV, and I was like, this game's cool, and played, like, two dungeons, basically. I just had a moment, of because you saying, when you were, like, 13, you played... 15. Or 15. You played Final Fantasy IV. Let me just look at when this came out, because you then said, on emulator. And that was the moment where I was like, oh, my God. Because, yeah, this came out when I was, like, what? Um, 18. 18. Yeah. Yeah. I pr I probably, I remember I was in my mom's house before mom moved to Arizona, so I would have been 12, so it would have been like 2008, 2009, I don't know. Yeah. Because mom moved after the, okay, yeah. It would have been like 2000, somewhere between 2007 and 2009, based on the house that mom was living in. Anyway, um, I played Final Fantasy IV Advance. Got, like, two dungeons in, liked it. Final Fantasy VI, I played all of. Um, I really love Final Fantasy VI, but I haven't played it since I was pretty young. Y you know, 15, 15 is overestimating it, because based on the house mom was in, I would have been 13 at most. Anyway, anyway, 14 at most. So Final Fantasy VI, I, I played that game, loved that game. Um, <clears throat> um, Final Fantasy VII... I played on the Switch in 2018 or 19 um, when I was at 
my most mentally ill about video games, and I have a sort of weird resentment toward Final Fantasy VII because of it, because I was I was being mentally ill and projecting my mental illness onto the game. Yeah. Final Fantasy VIII, as you know, is my favorite video game of all time. Played that in 2020. It is simply, video games will never get better than Final Fantasy VIII. Final Fantasy IX, I remember I played at my mom's house on the PlayStation 2, probably around the same time as 6. Um, I got through the first disc, and then the second disc was so scratched I couldn't keep playing. Final Fantasy X. I played after I got that experience with Final Fantasy IX, where I played the first disc, second disc was so scratched I couldn't keep playing. Final Fantasy X, I got to... There's some ice area where it's like you're like three quarters of the way through the game, I think. And I got stuck in this ice area, and I just needed to grind out some levels or something, I don't remember. Um, This... Crucially, Final Fantasy X is the first one of these I played. That's the thing I remember. Is Final Fantasy X was the first Final Fantasy that I ever played. Um, and um, it might have been this. I don't remember. Um, there's some like boss that. I probably is not that hard, but I didn't understand the mechanic I was supposed to be doing, and I probably should have been reading a guide. Um, this is the Wendigo? Mm, n- no? No. I don't remember. Anyway, I know for a fact that I saw the, the, the cutscene of Titus and Yuna are in the lake. You know, the big, iconic Final Fantasy X cutscene? Yeah. Um, I saw that, and I got stuck in this one area shortly thereafter. It's a, you get, you, there's a, there's a boss fight with Seymour. I remember his name now. There's a boss fight yeah. with Seymour. Um, Is that who you got stuck on? Yeah. Um, was it the one where you just have to cast Reflect on everybody? Yeah, and I probably didn't understand that. It may have been. I'm trying to remember, uh. Yeah, like, so that's, like, where the, I think, that, like, ice lake, like, uh, Makalania, I think, mm-hmm. is where that cutscene is. So that's, like, so three that quarters of the way through, I think. Yeah, so, the, um, but, but there there's a boss fight, mm-hmm. and it might have been this if it was Seymour. It's a Seymour boss fight, I'm pretty sure. Um, My friend who, just to, to wrap it all together, who scratched up my armored core disc so badly that I couldn't play it anymore. Uh-huh. Um, also got extremely mad at final fantasy 10 because of that Seymour fight where you have to cast reflect on everyone uh-huh. because he, there's like two people who will like heal him and they'll cast here on him. Yes. Yeah. But then yep, if they yep, cast yep, yep, on yep, him yep. and he has reflect, it will go and hit, like it'll heal you and right. he only has attack magic so if he 
cast attack magic at you, it bounces back and hits okay. him. Yep. And then to further attack him, you just cast attack magic at yourself yes. to bounce it and hit yes. him. Yes, yes. This yeah. is what I got stuck on. And so he got really frustrated about it. And and everybody else, we'd all move past this part of the game because we were all playing it and talking about it together on the playground, and, you know, between classes and stuff. And we were like, just cast reflect on everybody. Mm-hmm. And he just refused to. He was like, no, I'm not going to. That's not, you know, yeah, that's just I, cheating or whatever. I just didn't understand that yeah, mechanic. It's like, no, it's just a puzzle boss. You just have to, it's trying to teach you the value of reflect. <laughs> there's a there's a really good f- puzzle boss fight in Final Fantasy VIII in the final area where if you know that um, th- it's like this really fucking hard boss fight. But if you know that heal spells do damage against things with the zombie status effect, you can basically one-shot the boss, more or less. And it's just like, I was like slugging my way through. And it was this was still my first try. Like, it wasn't like I did this like a bunch of times and I was so stuck and whatever. Like, on my first try, I am like slogging my way through this boss fight. And it's taking forever and ever, and ever. And then, like, all my guys are dead, except for my one person who has a heal spell, and I accidentally cast the heal spell on the enemy instead of myself, and it does, like, nine 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 damage, and I was like, that's all I needed to do this whole time? Is that I needed to heal him instead of myself? Dolphins are liars, you can't trust them. Dolphins are liars! <laughs> um... But it, just to just to finish, I do. I did once. I got stuck on that, and I got upset. Uh, I did at least have the clarity of mind to go look up what happens in the rest of Final Fantasy X, and I watched the cutscenes and stuff. So I I I count myself as having played Final Fantasy X, but only barely. I would like yeah. to. I would really like to play Final Fantasy X as an adult and like really appreciate all the stuff that game is doing. You know. Yeah. If I'm listing out my favorite Final Fantasies, I feel like there's a time where I think now I would consistently just say 10 and 10 do. That's the top mm-hmm. for me in my heart. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's probably been lots of times where I, I would not have said that. But I think that's been true. Give me a really loud car drove by. Oh, that was... Because we have our that like was, windows open in the bedroom. That noise was scary a little yeah. bit because it came it came through with like the David Lynch distortion. <laughs> yeah. I the can beep say, distortion. I can say David Lynch. <laughs> no, that man is struck. <laughs> He's not. He's okay, not fine. on strike. The okay, DJA fine. didn't go on strike anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, but all of his work has. Well, sure. But I could say his name. <laughs> Are we still talking about video games? You had your whole Starf thing. You haven't even gotten to that. I wanted to, while we're talking about the strike thing, there's one thing I wanted to talk about. Oh, I just, uh, I guess I didn't, I didn't really want to talk about Starf. I wanted to, there was one thing I was talking to you about with Starf earlier that I wanted to like work through some thoughts before I had to go on journal updated and say it. And I wanted to talk to you about it specifically because I knew you wouldn't give a shit. Yeah. Um, and so I knew that I could just sort of sound things off to you and you'd be like, uh-huh, yeah. 
And you basically, you accomplished that goal for me in a way that I appreciated. It is, unfortunately, heavy spoilers, and so I don't really want to talk about it. And any other Starf thoughts I'm having, I could just save for Journal Updated. I'll tell you, listeners of this podcast, probably my favorite Bethesda game other than Morrowind. I feel weird saying that. It feels like a very big opinion commitment that I'm making as a person who's cared about these games since I've for a very long time, for a very, very long time, I th- I think Starf is, like, my favorite one of these other than Morrowind. Um, I, I just think it's a good game. I th- mm-hmm. And I, I, I... The flaws that I... The problems that I'm having with it um, feel fixable, you know? Either by Bethesda or by mods. Where there's, like... There's sometimes where I get mad at Oblivion and there's just no way around... I, the thing I'm mad at, the the stuff that I'm having friction with in Starfield just feels a little more fixable. Yeah. Um. Do 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 do. Oh, but yeah, we only started talking about this because um, I want to put something new on the Steam Deck to play. Haven't really settled. I just don't want it to be the Geralt box anymore. You know, I kind of want to yeah. just open up my horizons a little bit. Maybe Chrono Cross is the thing. You know what I was thinking about? And you're going to be so mad at me when I say this. What? I was thinking about replaying Chrono Trigger. There's that new Sea of Stars game that... so mad. Nora put a Sea of Stars on the Xbox, and it looks really cool. Um, I'd like to check it out. But Chrono Trigger is truly one of the best video games that's ever been made. (laughs) Chrono Trigger is so fucking good, bro. I have good news for you. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, the basic JRPG culture agrees with you. Uh-huh. And if you want to play Chrono Trigger or games like Chrono Trigger. Oh, you know what else I was thinking about? I was thinking about playing Super Mario RPG. Because that's sort of like in this sort of SNES RPG space. But I don't have any experience with it. And, you know, I I seem to really like SNES RPGs as evidenced by, um, you know. Chrono Trigger and Earthbound. I know, I know. It's funny. Chrono Trigger and The Empire Strikes Back are two things that I really love, but a, a majority of the people I'm friends with don't like, and so I'm in this weird place where I'm like, no, Chrono Trigger's good, actually. No one cares, bro. <laughs> Me and 99.9% of people who have ever played Chrono Trigger are Chrono Trigger freaks, and I just hang out with the five people who think Chrono Trigger's mid. <laughs> I just think other stuff did more interesting things in Chrono Cross is like... Just taking all of that stuff and doing actually like weird, crunchy, interesting stuff with it. I just think Chrono Trigger. I like the the, the machine goes burr. Yeah. <laughs> There's the really good music. There's the Akira Toriyama art style. I like I like I like when Chrono and Frog do a little X attack pattern. Yeah. I like Magus. Yeah. Chrono Trigger's pretty good. Sure. So anyway, there was one thing I wanted to talk about, yes. which I, I I saw go around a little bit. Yeah. But I I wanted to like talk a little bit about on this podcast too, because sort of when we talk about media in general, but also like this to come up on movies, um, and I think this is like true of like 
other podcasts like on this network or sister networks mm. um and it's also like i feel like it's a thing that comes up because we all sort of like as podcasters have the ceiling but a lot of the audience more broadly that is still sort of part of our audience i think is a little bit more towards like rep- representation as a thing mm-hmm. right and it's the thing that we sort of talk about i think i think i know what you're saying but about. maybe explain a little so I, I want to do the, the specific thing here, but it, basically it's the thing of like, the, you know, how important it is to have representation in media and like a certain centering of representation as a thing. And we talk about this on the, the podcast and various other podcasts about the way that like specifically this idea of like having good representation in media is the goal becomes a thing where they can put in like quote unquote the representation into their thing. And it is like a more cynical getting demographics mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Um, There's like, like, okay, specifically in Starfield, right? Starfield is more racially and sexually um, diverse than any Bethesda game has been. Um, like, much as I love the Elder Scrolls series, um, there is a lot of, like, eugenicist premises baked into, like, the core gameplay loops of the Elder Scroll games, right? And Starfield has gotten away from a lot of that stuff, and I think that is a big, huge improvement for that game. I also think that the reason that Bethesda has moved away from that is probably motivated by cynical um uh cynical like motives of we can grab a larger audience by making these moves toward diversity. You know? Yeah. I can sort of hold both those things in my head that I do think it is good that Starfield is more diverse. And I also think that probably the reason the corporation is doing it is for cynical reasons. And ultimately, regardless of Bethesda's motivations, I don't think that there being gay people in Starfield leads to the liberation of gay people from the capitalist machine that Starfield is both a part of and propagates, you know? Yeah. Um, but so I think that I just wanted to bring in with this kind of stuff. Yes. Is so glad recently glad as like an organization does this, like, um, what are they, what do they call it? Uh, the studio responsibility index. And it like talks about the, like, uh, the, it's a study that tracks the quantity, quality, and diversity of LGBTQ characters in films released, like, in Hollywood, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was, like, a record year for a bunch of things, you know? A uh, record number of non-binary characters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, as part of it... There's also this part where, and and I want to frame all of like what the actual story is before I get to what the headline is. Mm. So they put this out when they released it. They teamed up with uh, SAG-AFTRA and the Writers Guild, and they did like a little pref- press conference where they said um, that it, it is crucial that the alliance of 
of motion picture and television producers reach a fair deal with striking workers and performers that these talented creatives can return to work as soon as possible so that progress can be made and LGBTQ representation remains on track. Uh, LGBTQ stories told through film have a powerful and inextricable link to culture change with more people uh, than ever now empowered to live authentically and openly, blah, blah, blah. There's also some of the stuff that I kind of, I I think there's a lot of emphasis put on representation as the thing that like pushes change. Mm-hmm. And there's also been some studies that like, that's not as true as people want it to be. Yes. Um, I, and, and also I, I want to highlight. Yes. Uh, there's ones that have shown that that is more likely to shift biases for specifically like, LGBTQ rather than other things like especially race. Mm-hmm. And some of it is very specifically a it, it is shifting it, but it is shifting it for like, you know, white people seeing white queer people. Yes. Right? And it's the same thing where like they're able to track that there is sometimes more of a shift that happens. And it's because you're not going to have a family member come out to you as like hispanic and then you're gonna get over your like prejudices against like mm-hmm. you know immigrants moving into the united mm. states or something that's like a far less likely thing that's going to happen because of just the way that like race mm. and ethnicity is far more tied up in like f- uh family bloodlines mm-hmm. whereas you might have s- somebody come out in your family as gay or whatever, and then maybe you have a bad reaction, but then that's still a person that you have into this longstanding relationship with. You're not going to have a coworker come out and be like, actually, I mean, there's some cases where there's like, mm-hmm. you know, mixed people who might be mixed race. And then we'll talk about like, well, you know, but like, it's far less likely that you're going to be like, Oh, I didn't know that our coworker was there's, black. Yes. You're like, yeah, there, there's just ways that that stuff, even though it's still like, at a genetic level, not really real. There's mm-hmm. still like more visual markers that are encoded in the way the society works. Yes. Yes. Um, and so it also is less effective in that because yeah. there's also just like, and also people just will avoid media. That's about the thing that they don't like. Yes. You know? Yes. And then they'll complain about how there's more media than ever about the thing that they hate. You know, there's a, there is, there was, there's a- like extreme limits to it. There was a thing going around on Twitter this week that is, like, very obvious to me of, on Elon's new Twitter, I can make a quick buck by getting impressions on my tweet, uh, but there was somebody making a list of video games that are for conservatives, um, because if you are a person who is upset that Starfield is more diverse, well, have you considered Skyrim? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um... But here's the bigger thing for why I wanted to bring this article up, which this article is from The Hollywood Reporter. And the actual body of the article is, like, sort of talking about this and then talking about, like, how, you know, the studios need to reach, like, a, a deal with the, the unions and stuff. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the tweet and the, the title of the article are slightly different. But the title of our, the article is LGBTQ representation in film hits peak while Glad Guild caution strikes risk progress. And the, the tweet was basically the same, but instead of uh, glad, you know, comma, guilds, it was, while officials caution, strike risks progress. And this is, like, 
the big core thing, and then I saw people quoting it, and there are some people being like, you know, correctly, but not reading the article, being like, well, we don't care. You should do this, the you know, like the studios, what mm. you know, like sort of pointing out the framing. Yeah. Um, and like the studios should do this to do the progress or people being like, oh, if you actually read the bottom of the article, like, why aren't, why aren't you talking about the part that's at the end where this is the statement that was from Glad and Mm -hmm. like the, the unions together Mm -hmm. or whatever. But the, the part of the reason why I think we have this like certain feelings about representation is the fact that it's very easily weaponized in this way. Yes. That like, and that the, the debate then becomes about. Like, is there a way that strikes are potentially like, you know, like union strikes potentially holding back progress in other areas that is like specifically trying to pitch or, or like, you know, pit, um, like labor Uh against like identity or representation, which when in fact these are like together, Yes. And, and and we 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 know we know from countless testimonials from people in writers rooms from actors that labor often is pushing representation and diversity and is shot down by the studios. Yeah. You know? And like empowering labor Empowering those people in the writer's room who want to have a more diverse cast, empowering the people who will be part of that diverse cast, um, empowering people to get jobs, like, that is where diversity comes from, and the pushback always comes from the executives, but of course, like, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it's also just the the beyond, because there's also then this focus of, like, well, it's about, like, holding back the progress of having diverse casts so that you have the representation in film, whereas the core thing, to me, representation in media is more, and, like, that diversity in media is more of a byproduct of you have, like, a a working-class people who are more able to, like, partake in these things and that you have more of the diversity of that working class yes. doing this stuff. And that's how, like, but what it, it is always you, more important to me that, like, you know, people of color and queer people are getting paid to do the work. Yes. That, like, if those people, like, like, me as a person... I'm like, well, I don't want to try to get, like, I don't want to try to get a job in television writing because that sounds like not a thing that I would be well suited to. Yeah. But, like, I couldn't even really pursue a career in television writing if I wanted to because it is such a volatile, like, thing where I don't have guaranteed income for X, Y, and Z reasons and it's a really hard industry to get into. Um, But, you know person who like can afford to have all their parents just pay their bills for them you know uh, that person can't afford to spend however many years grinding away to try to break into the tv industry you know um and so yeah you need like you need to empower labor to make sure that people who are societally 
predisposed to be in lower income brackets are able to try to get into, you know, this industry. Yeah. So anyway, the I just had the thing of having a reaction seeing it of like one, obviously, that's a very misleading uh-huh. uh headline. Which cynically I've I have felt so just a bottomless pit of despair when I think about like media online. Cynically, I read that headline and I'm like, somebody working in the SEO department of the Hollywood Reporter said, if we word this in just such a way that it will generate controversy, more people will click on the article. Yep. Um and also Controversy. Even more even more cynically while the writers may have certain like perspectives that they are putting into the piece that they are writing. Uh-huh. Headlines are are more controlled by like a broader thing and like the general yes. media thing of the Hollywood Reporter, yes, itself is probably more pro studio than the people writing for the Hollywood yes. Reporter. Yes. Yes. Um and so there's also a way that they specifically still they benefit more by creating that ambiguity and opening that space for the discourse to be about yes this thing because the fact that the discourse is about that then opens up the possibility that labor would get in the way of representational progress or whatever the the people who work in seo that decided that headline because the writer of the article was almost certainly not the per what was not the person who wrote that headline yeah. i can say that as a definitive fact there are people who work in seo whose job it is to make sure an article gets as many clicks as possible those people are probably aware that the hollywood reporters bills are paid by ads for latest and greatest movie you know yeah. um like, you know, yeah, <laughs> and so and so those people, you know, probably on some level are motivated by we need to make this headline, you know, seem like it is pro AMPTP, um, because the people who pay the AMPTP also pay us, <laughs> you know, yep, um, um, and yeah, and then I was just thinking of it because. I was seeing lots of reactions to it, but it, they were there were a lot of reactions that were happening from I think people who just generally have more intense like representation is the thing, mm-hmm. and I think that it it is illustrative of like the failure of that mindset where your your thought is the thing that makes progress is that we have representation and there's all of these pitfalls where there's stuff like this there's how you can ha- not actually have like a uh, truly diverse um you know writing staff and all of that kind of stuff but then still have the certain sense of diversity where you know this is the, the 18th first gay disney character or whatever yeah. that kind of stuff um that then creates this like that that attitude of representation is the important thing is a thing that is like i think pushed in our culture because it is, it is very easy for the like standing powers to benefit from it mm. and it's very easy for it to become it, it's about this whole progressive idea of representation but what it's really boiling down to is uh demographics that will buy your thing Yes. And 
part of the, the then pushback that I think like we and our friends have to some of that like representation politics, this is what's important in media, is that is far less like pro- productive for actual change than having it be about, you know, uh, collective action or like what are these other sort of things happening in the work? Mm-hmm. All of that stuff is the stuff that is going to then still result in mm. things like better representation. But it's like, it's, it's a, it's a misdiagnosing of the problem. Can I... it, it reminds me in some ways of like, there was all those things about like uh girls who code or whatever. And the whole thing was like the problem with tech and, and the diversity problem in tech is that there's just not enough stuff to help young girls get into coding mm-hmm. and and go on to get these jobs. And so a bunch of stuff viewed the issue as the pipeline. What is the thing that gets a child uh, to mm-hmm. having this job? Mm-hmm. And it that focus specifically threw a bunch of young women into the threshing maw that was a deeply sexist industry. Yes. Because <laughs> I knew I knew these women who I I was friends with Many young men and young women who went to a very good, like, STEM-oriented college in Missouri, you know, that was like, if you wanted, if you lived in the state of Missouri or Kansas and you wanted to get a job in a STEM field, this was a, you know, the best college you could go to, not just because it was, like, a good college, but because recruiters, like, very actively worked there. And I knew lots of girls who who I was friends with in high school that dropped out of that college because it was like (laughs) they were very much encouraged in high school to pursue degrees in STEM fields. And then they got to frat bro college and it was just a constant barrage of misogyny 24 seven, you know? Yeah. And that's before they even got the jobs in the in the fields that they were trying to get jobs in. And that's also before the ways that, like, crunch culture is inherently, in the way that society is structured, more beneficial for men. Mm-hmm. Because women are, are more likely to, like, yes. be put into the position where they have to do the unpaid labor at home. Yes. Like, raising kids or mm-hmm. just doing the housework, stuff like that. Yeah. That means that they have less time to stay at the office and, you know societally men are more likely to have that ability to stay and work like 14 hours while mm-hmm. their wife does everything at home or whatever. Yes. Yes. Um, and so all of that too is like, it's just part of a bigger system than, yeah. you know, like getting rid of crunch in and of itself does not sound like an inherently like uh feminist or like anti-sexist thing to do, mm. but that is an interrelated system. Yeah. And that part of like creating a space that is more welcoming to a wider diversity of people is also creating a space that is just generally a better place to work at mm-hmm. because there are so many ways that like white men have the resources to like endure uh, places where it's just like you have to work all the time and do take all this stuff on. Can I talk about a piece? Cause they just, they get all the free labor from other people. Can I talk about a piece of struck work? If I'm specifically being like, do not seek this out. Do not watch it. It is terrible. Um, I'm like mixed on this because I, I, you know. Okay. Then I won't. I, I won't. I feel like we got. 
I feel like we hit the point I wanted to hit without talking about. Um, yeah. Anyway, I I, I was thinking of this too today because I literally saw the article today and I was mm. just like, um, you know, we're like covering other stuff while the strike's happening. Mm-hmm. But I do want to like still sometimes like yeah. bring up the strike and talk about it. And it felt like something to. Yeah, I, I will. I will give the vague outline of the thing I wanted to talk about. There's a movie that we covered for Pop Town Funk. And um, we did a really good episode, I thought, about how that movie was pushed by this massive corporation as this very diverse movie in the superhero space. And look at how diverse the cast is. Um, And be that as it may, there is a really racist ideology that is sort of like the bones of the script of the movie. And like you... Just because the movie is diverse does not stop that the the script from being racist as fuck, you know? Yeah. And then there was some months ago an actor speaking out about some hella racist shit that happened to him on set where he is um, from Pakistan and um, he had to portray being in a Bollywood film for this for this movie, for the superhero movie. And he's like, I'm not from India. You understand. And yeah. also, even if I were from India, I'm not like trained in the like singing and dancing that one does for a Bollywood picture. You kind of just threw me on set and asked me to have a yeah. totally different skill set from like the thing that I normally do. <laughs> yeah. Um,. We should talk about Ikoko Nikki. Um, I think that's all I wanted to say. I think that was everything. There was something else spinning out of that, but we're at the two-hour mark. I have to be awake in seven hours and 50 minutes, and we haven't started talking about Ikoko Nikki. Ikoko Nikki. Ikoko Nikki. I've been, like, extremely fucking tired all day, too, so I thought this was going to be short. I'm glad we went long. Stairwells is back. Yeah. Non-homophobia is back. I mean, not homophobia zone is back, but um, what time is it? It's like ten or something. Well, but I, I I'm asking the wrong question because I'm also I'm getting tired enough that I'm having trouble speaking. I'm noticing there's not really yeah, another like... unless we wanted this podcast to just go out a day late. There's not really another day we can record the Koku Nikki section of this podcast. No, let's just do it. But I don't want to. I'm I'm enjoying Ikoku Nikki. I'm enjoying it. Okay. But end of podcast. No, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. I took some notes for some of these chapters and then I had to sprint through to finish up the volumes under a certain time limit earlier today and so I only have notes on like half the chapters we did, if that. But oh, my my notes. Huh? I should have done notes. You should have done notes. My notes are very sparse. I said I should have done notes while I was doing it, and you're like, no, don't do notes. You should have done notes. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um, I've, got, I've got notes for the first four chapters we did. One of these is like four sentences because it's like a chapter that's like really long and goofy. It's a chapter that covers multiple subjects. Yeah. The, the chapter immediately after it, I have one sentence. Um, and I thought that was a better chapter that had more meat on its bones, but I only had one sentence for it. So, 
Chapter 16. Makio writes a blog about Asa, which Asa reads. Asa goes to school and tries to take some of Makio's advice that she's been giving over the last couple of volumes. Makio gets socially exhausted, but copes marginally better than we might expect from her, though she's a bit testy when she finds out Asa has read her blog. She wonders when her sister started hating her and how that has influenced her life. Yeah. I... Chapter 16 just kind of felt like sort of a... Lots of things have happened recently. Let's sort of just sort of recalibrate and reestablish what the status quo is right now. I don't have a lot to say about chapter 16. You know? I Um, liked it. Yeah, I think it was very good. Uh, Like, there's... It is like a, a developing of stuff, so it's a very good chapter. Yeah, but I just I just felt like, yeah, it is it to me it felt like reestablishing, reasserting where everybody's at, sort of checking in with um, how's Machio feeling about certain things, how's but I I felt like there wasn't much that moved forward here necessarily. Yeah, I mean I think some of the important thing, I think the biggest like important thing here is we are starting to see like Machio is now the caregiver mm-hmm. who is like influencing the way that Asa is going to think about things. Yes. And, 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 and it is causing like some change in the way that the Asa is thinking about stuff. Yes. And, and Machio is going to spend this volume and the next volume sort of asserting Oh, I'm not a parent. I'm just a guardian. But like it or not, she is a parent. You know. Yeah. Um, she is not a very traditional parent. Um, she might not. Well, and it- like her her assert assertion that I'm not a parent, I'm a guardian, is also specifically this like, um, it's also like I am not her mom. She had a mom, and yes. I I do not want to be like in any way replacing her mom. Yes. But then we we see to some extent that, like, even if, like, there's not a direct replacement happening, there is ways that that's happening for Asa. Yes. Including, like, moments where, like, she sees Makio and sees her mom in Makio. Yes. We get some of that. But also this way of, like, um, I forget what chapter it is. I don't think it was this one. But there's, like, even specifically some where it's, like, here are things that like her mom said mm-hmm. and then it culminates in and then here's like a thing that Machio said that's like different uh-huh. you know um that's like giving her a different message about things yeah um but in the, I, and i think also a moment in it that i thought was was really um like good in this and it, it is like Machio actually is like there there is obviously problems still mm-hmm. but Machio is like actually fairly cut out to be a parent yeah. She's like, it's so- socially exhausted easily. And they're like, the the line messaging that they're doing at the end is definitely her being like, oh, I'm still bad at this. I'm mm. still like mm. bad with social stuff. And I'm, I'm struggling with this. But it's like, there's the conversation about like, oh yeah, there's this like, you know, I just started the, at the light music group and there's this kid yeah. that's like, uh, oh, another newbie or whatever. And Machio's like, yeah, you know, how are you feeling about that? And it was like, well, yeah, you know, basically, like, helps give the words of, like, well, yeah, you're just starting it. Like, yeah. you know, you of course, everybody starts somewhere. Yeah. And then we get the part where, um, where? yeah, it's the, like, 
the the boy being like you know what a beginner or whatever when like another girl's trying to help her out with like uh-huh. oh don't use those like old books like use this um and then just does the, <laughs> the shout the, of yeah is this not the teacher no this is not a teacher no I, this is another student yeah. and then that's why i'm learning it now <laughs> <laughs> which um, is i think exactly what makio said yeah you know yeah um uh which yeah good for her um but yeah this is also the big um is this when we first get uh, we have seen the 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 diary before but, but this i think this is, is where when we get be- her reading the first page yes and this is where it sort of becomes focalized as like the thing that we're going to be yeah. sitting with for the next two volumes yeah and the the passage will return a lot of when i chose your name i wanted very much for it to be something that meant something beautiful and new that was certain to come uh, so that you would be loved by everyone. Specifically, we... this is a diary that Asa's mother wrote that she intended to give Asa when Asa turned twin. Yeah. You know? Um, and the name, like, the character used in Asa's name is, like, Dawn. Uh-huh. So. Um, so, um, chapter 17, this is the good shit. This is the yeah. good shit. They go visit uh, Asa's grandma, who Asa's like, well, I just want to go see grandma. She's always so nice to me. And I don't, it hasn't really entered her mind that like Asa, that, that, that Asa's grandma is Makio's mother, you know, and Asa did not sort of make that connection. I mean, there's like a way that she's like aware of it, but not in the same. Uh Uh-huh. Like, there's even a part that comes up of, like, oh, when I see you interacting with her, then I see how she's your mom. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, I I didn't see that when she, like, when she was interacting with my mom, uh-huh. I could see how she was, like, her mom. Yes. But, like, there's something different happening when you're there that I wasn't, like, seeing, so you were just sort of off to the side in the yeah. way that I was understanding this. So, yeah. like, I had, like, an understanding at like an intellectual level that she's your mom, but like not uh-huh. at like a emotional. Yeah. Um, um this is this is so real. This is so real. Where where you go with the kid to, you know, grandma's house. Um and grandma's just like, you know, with the kid, oh, you're so like sweet and cute or whatever. Let me get you some candy, let me get yeah. you this and that. Uh and then it's just like saying all the stuff from when you were a kid that made you feel bad. And you're yeah. just like, Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> I I remember um my my grandpa grandparents on my dad's side could be real fucking assholes. And so I remember being very aware of um my grandparents spoiling the fuck out of me. They loved me, especially as their first grandchild, you know. They adored me. But then they'd be like they'd be talking to my dad and be like, mm, you're putting on weight again." Uh, you, 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 oh, you could have done this, this, and this better. And I'm like, damn, you know, (laughs) like I remember being aware of that as a kid, even. Yeah. Um, Um, and that's sort of like the dynamic that Makio and her mother have is like all the, she says something here that I thought was so interesting of like, it, it used to be that she praised how independent I was and how there's something about Asa's mother that she would praise. But at some point that became like sharpened into just like a criticism, you know? Yeah. Like there's a different way of, Oh, um, 
there's a way that like Makio, you're so independent became Makio, you're such a loner and you don't ever like rely on people, you know? Yeah, I think cold hearted might be You're the... cold hearted. That's yeah. that's what it was. Um Um And then uh yeah, we do get the seeing Makio sit on the bed being like, Oh mom used to sit like that. Uh-huh. Um and we get the bit of like you know, an expression that you don't understand from your parents. Mm-hmm. Um, I also thought it was so interesting um, that Makio is upset with her mother about um, when when Asa's parents died. Um, her grandmother was like, I can't identify the bodies. You do it, Asa. And Makio is like, I can't forgive mom for doing that. Yeah. I can't forgive mom for making you go look at your parents' corpses. You know? Yeah. Um, which, yeah, you know, I I think Makio's yeah. right here. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think her grandma was being fucking selfish in that yeah. moment. Um, and it's specifically being this moment too, where where Asa's like, "Oh, we well, like grandma's always nice to me." Uh huh. Um, and Makio's like, "Well, there's this thing that she did that I thought was just like incredibly mean of her." Yes. Um, and like selfish of her. Mm-hmm. Um. So. Yeah. I also think it's so interesting the way we start to see Makio as a kid more in these volumes um, and the way that Makio as a kid looks just like Asa, you know? Yeah. Um, It's just because their hair is colored in the same way, but like... Well, and also like the when it's like short. Yes. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mm. And yeah, we, we get more of this like wondering when... You know, I remember a time where, like, we would share things and we were friends and, like, what happened between me and my sister. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what was the actual moment? Um, chapter 18? Yep. Um, Emily and Makio. I wrote Emery here and I still read it as Emily. <laughs> yeah. Emery and Makio have a little heart to heart. The lawyer calls and is awkward and I lose my shit. Um, Makio's gaydar is like, oh, this is a little gay kid. Yeah. Um, which is funny because Emery has said to Asa, I like girls. But that was a sort of, it seems like maybe like a little middle school, like, you know, Oh, I'm infatuated with girls right now. That doesn't seem that wasn't a like coming out to Asa sort of deal, you know? Or in the way that like you'll tell people things when you're first coming out and they'll be like, "Oh, yeah, cool." And right. then you'll be like, "Oh, that coming out was easier than I thought." And then like you're just operating like, "Well, that person knows I'm gay." Right. And then like a year later you like more explicitly mention it again. They're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Um, we got, a, we got a cat trying to break in. Uh, um, specifically lawyer Tano calls while Makio is, is writing a message to, uh, yes, Tasumachi. God, <sighs> you just let the, the dang cat in cause the oh. scratching is going to be more annoying. What up, Lim? Um, okay, so 
How you doing, Lim? I feel like you haven't interrupted the podcast in a little while. How are you, babe? Oh, the other thing we get with uh, Tono um, is he just doesn't interact with, like, fiction at all in any form. Yes. Yes. Which is great. Um, we also get... Um, I This is probably struck work, but I'm just going to mention it anyway. I have not seen the film Fried Green Tomatoes. Um, but apparently, <laughs> like, I just love that Machio is like, I have identified a gay child. I don't know how to say you're gay. <laughs> and so what she says is, it's not a sin. And also, would you like to borrow my DVD of Fried Green Tomatoes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, I I don't I don't know what that movie is. I've I've heard of it, so I have no. But I don't really know what it is. I'm I'm not gonna go into detail on the podcast. Okay, is it, is it struck? Yeah, it'd be struck. Okay, okay, okay. Um, but it's one of those that's like there's definitely like a strong gay reading, but there's also ways that people could read it as okay. Not gay. I just didn't know if it was a Japanese movie or not. Mm-hmm. I guess. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. But yeah, I love I love the little conversation that Emily and Macchio have. Um, it's good. Um, and yeah, also like then yeah, the Macchio is like oh, I think I have feelings for Kasamachi, and I don't want to be having feelings for Kasamachi, and I'm trying to write him this text where I'm like trying to be casual, but I'm also trying to ask him out on a date, but I want to be cool about it. I just want to be friends. And as she's doing that, Toto calls, and I was hooting. I was hollering. Yeah. I was pumping my fists. <sighs> um, um. We then get uh, Machio's basically having a like, you know, I fucking don't have the spoons anymore. Day to uh-huh. use that sort of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, my notes for the for chapter. Uh, Whichever one it is. 18. Uh, I think 19. 18. Oh, no, 19. 19. Makio is feeling under the weather and makes a mess of the apartment while Asa is with friends. Asa comes home and is a real bitch, but on accident because she's a kid and that's what kids do sometimes. They have a nice talk, but I don't think Makio feels any better afterward. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, some of it is like... So basically, Asa comes home and finds the mess because Makio is just like having a bad day for doing those sorts of things yes um she's like she's like feeling anemic and like having trouble just like getting around you know yeah. let alone like being functional enough to pick up like whatever yeah um and basically yells at her being like why can't you do this right essentially mm-hmm. um why can't you even get stuff like this right which then like immediately we get flashbacks of like uh, Machio having things that feel relatable to me as a person who late in life got diagnosed with ADHD mm-hmm. of um, you know why didn't you like give me the form I had to sign and like oh what form look and it's like crumpled in the back of your bag and you're like oh yeah that yeah. form um, and like getting distracted and not being able to pay t- attention to people while they're talking mm-hmm. um all of that, just, like, ways... Oh, yeah, this was a great moment where there's, like, all the ways that she's getting stuff that's, like... Um... You know, you can't do these things right. You're, like... Not, you know, not able to, like, take care of these things. 
Um, and then so gets that one moment of Kasumachi being like a memory. Hey, don't beat yourself op- up over it. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, like, here's a person that didn't make me feel that way. Or at least at times didn't. Sorry, um, I have to get a picture of Lem real quick. Okay. But yeah, and then it it more becomes this, uh, you know, Machio being like, you shouldn't just be like, it, it should be easy for you to do this. Like, you know, it's not easy for me. Um, and, uh-huh. and also being like, I don't know why you're hurt by this. And Machio having to explain like, okay, so this is the thing that I, I'm trying to do right now with my kid who's like four. Right. But like, okay, so somebody says, what you did or said hurt them. Mm-hmm. It's it's up to them to decide if they were hurt. Yes. And, like, you can't say, well, you shouldn't be hurt, or I don't, like, it doesn't make sense that you're hurt. You could say, I'm sorry, I hurt you. Can you explain to me why it hurt? Because I don't... Understand. I don't understand that part. Uh-huh. Uh, and so it becomes sort of this, like... There's this moment where Machio is feeling hurt, but then just has to turn it into like a, a teaching moment about. Yeah. In a way that's very like relatable. Like, this is just the thing about being a parent is yes. that sometimes it's like, well, I guess I'm just going to eat that feeling hurt. Because yes. I just have to like teach a kid about what you do when you hurt someone. Yes. And they're not going to properly practice it on me right away because now they're all focused on like, oh, so this is what I need, <laughs> you know? Yeah. This is uh, yesterday. I got kicked in the face by a four-year-old, and instead of being like, "Oh fuck," I had to be like, "It's I don't like when you kick me in the face," you know? Yeah. Can you please stop kicking me in the face? <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway. Um. We also get lots of, uh, oh yeah, we get the thing too where there's like the desert, um, Mm -hmm. and then I just let him in and out. I I just do it now. It's less disruptive for me if I just quietly open and close the door. I just wanted him, I just wanted him to sit on my lap because I thought I could get him to sit on my lap for a second. He's not going to. I also thought I could get a good selfie with him for a minute and I couldn't. Yeah, just just don't don't believe that you can get anything good from that cat. <laughs> um, but he oh, likes and his then there's dope. there was this memory that I I uh, really enjoyed in here mm-hmm. where um, Asa's mom, who's the name of the I don't even remember. Her I name. don't fucking remember her name. Uh, but she's like, you know, Makio, uh, it's fine to dream sometimes, but sometimes you also need to face reality. It might not be, uh, be so bad to learn how to meet new people a little, especially men. Men never stop being kids, you know. If you keep up that aggressive attitude of yours, they'll never like you, you know. And Makio says, huh? You know, big sis, sometimes you say some amazing things every once in a while. And she's like, what? <laughs> Uh, like, honestly, amazing. How can you say such discriminatory things about both men and women? It's astounding. <laughs> um, but, it's good. Yeah. It's good. Um, also, 
this has nothing to do with anything. The chapter illustrations of Machio looking hot, I just like them. Yeah? Yeah. Um, you've, you have at this point no longer taken notes about what happens. Uh, yes. But basically, this is Machio the date. and Kasamachi go on a date. Date! Um, date! Date! Date, There's lots of date. talking about the food intermingled with talking about like uh, parents and Asa and stuff like that. Um, I really love um, the way that the mangaka, and I wish I could recall her name right now. I'm a little disappointed that I can't. But I really love the way that she writes meals, you know? Yeah. Um, Where conversations sort of like move like moves in and out of different things and people can cir- always circle around to talking about the food when they don't know what to talk about or you know or you're what, in the middle of something but you're at a restaurant and the waiter comes by and gives it to you and you're like oh yeah then you and then you, you start talking about something else instead yeah um or, or you like or, get back to it but you're a little bit like on a different page now because yeah yeah or you're like oh thank god the waiter came by now i don't have to keep talking about that you know yeah um and so I just really like the way that the the mangaka does meals in particular, and this was one of my favorites that she does in the whole series so far. Yeah. Um, I'm going to look up the mangaka's name just because I want to remember it. Um, and I also was thinking today I should look and see what other series she may or may not have done. Um, anyway, there's this part where Makio is mixed up in Mushi. Uh, because she thinks about uh, Kasamachi as a valued person who you need to cherish, uh, somebody who you're comfortable, who's a friend, and then also you're turned on and interested because also he's hot, and she doesn't know what to do with this, and what it's called is you're dating that person. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, um, real quick. Her name is Tomoko Yamashita. I'm just going to read you a couple paragraphs from Wikipedia real quick. Yamashita started publishing Dojinishi in the early 2000s and won the Newcomer's Prize of Blah 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 magazine um, in 2005 Mm -hmm. with a short story. She started her career by publishing BL Manga. In 2007, her manga, Dining Bar Akira, was ranked first in the Kono Mangaga Sugoi survey in the category Boys Love. Hell yeah! (laughs) I want to read Dining Bar Akira. (laughs) Um... So anyway, they then go for a walk. Uh, they sit on the edge of like where plants are, um, like the little perimeter around like a little plant in a park. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the framing this is exactly like a specific scene that I don't think exists in the the show Evangelion, but does exist in the manga, and is one of my favorite scenes in the manga. Um, but then they are uh, kind of awkward. Um, and Kasamachi goes to kiss her and she's like, ah, you know, I I don't know what to think. I don't know what to do. I want to, but like, Mm -hmm. we're like friends and I don't want to ruin it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and Kasamachi's like, well, what if we were friends with benefits? Like say, uh, we like hang out all the time and we kiss and, uh, also we have sex and we don't have sex with other people. And like, he's just describing we're dating. He's describing a relationship. Yeah. He's like, what if we are friends with benefits? And also the definition of that is just what you do with the person that you're dating. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I guess that'd be fine. And she's like, 
Basically, all he's doing is saying, what if we don't say big words like love because you don't feel ready for that right now? <laughs> yeah. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> she's uh, like, I do want some dick, though. Thank you. <laughs> but then also there's the the part that, like, got me emotional when I was reading this. Mm-hmm. Um, was, uh, you know, there's, like, various memories of the the end of their relationship um stuff like that and then uh we get like out of the the trees the the hand pointing you know why can't you even do something like this right uh and i don't see myself as someone who's worthy of being helped um and that was like the big Mm -hmm. yeah um you know just feeling unworthy of love yeah um, I also love Kasamachi's sort of confession that he's like, well, when you dumped me, um, I sort of selfishly just kept myself in your life because I was upset that you dumped me, basically. Yeah. Um, and I love his, like, admission that, like, that was a selfish motivation, but also I'm glad that it has worked out for the both of us over the years. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, just the, the also the difficulty of being like there's this whole part of um wanting to value yourself wanting to value someone else like feeling like you don't have value uh all this is just like a very difficult thing like this thing that should Mm -hmm. be easy about just like being in a relationship with someone that you like becoming just hard because of like all the messages you've gotten about whether or not you are deserving of value specifically Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so, uh, we also, after this, anyway, after this, I was like, for the drama reasons, I hope that something happens with Tono, but now I'm like invested in Yeah, that. no, I'm, I'm invested in, I'm invested in Makio and Kasamachi making it work, but yeah. I am also just rooting for Tono to get laid. <laughs> He's great. I love him. Yeah, I love him so much. This is from... Okay. At the end of Volume 4, we get a little one-page illustration of Emily watching the movie and crying when someone says the line, she's my best friend I've ever had and I love her. Um, And, you know, this is laden with meaning that is very easy to read. I'm just going to jump ahead. Volume 5 ends on the single greatest pages of comics that has ever been written or drawn, which is just three panels of uh, Tono playing Tetris. And in the first two, it is light. And in the bottom one, it is dark. And And he's like, ah, it's night or whatever. Yeah. Oh, it's night now. Yeah. It is the single greatest page of manga ever. He just like you for real. He just like me for real. He just says it's nighttime, <laughs> and then the volume ends. It's so good. I love Toto so much, dude. Um, so chapter twenty-one. Um, Emily, Makio, Asa, and Emily's mother all go out for lunch together. There's like a good little setup. This is like another really good meal scene we get, where yeah, Emily and Makio are sitting at this table. And, uh, Asa, or, no, no, no. Emily and Asa are sitting at this table. 
Makio and Emery's mother are sitting at the table across from them. And so they can kind of talk back and forth, but they can also have kind of private conversations. It's a really good setup, I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we get like lots of feelings of Makio being like, oh, I'm not her mother. And Emery being like, but you are her parents. Yeah, Emery's now. mom, especially. Yeah, Emery's like, mo- yeah. I keep saying Emery when I mean Emery's mom. <clears throat> um, maybe I should try to remember this character's name. This character makes a remark of, oh, I don't get... People don't usually call me by my name. People usually just call me Emery's mom. You know? Yeah. Uh, I know her last name is Nara. Um, let me see if I can... Do, 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 do. There's a part where uh, Emery... Michi. Michi. Yeah, Michi. Um, yeah, so so Makio and Michi are talking, and Michi is, like, sort of shocked at how, how outside the norm, like, Makio and um, Asa's relationship is, but also she's kind of coming to grips with, well, this is not a normal situation, and I may, you know... But also, I think there are things that Makio needs to be doing, like, because somebody in Asa's life needs to be, like, a parent, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, I don't know. It's, it's a really good, like, thorny, like, start to these two characters having a relationship. You know, yeah. not like a... <clears throat> There's also this, and it's, like, far less defined, but that, like... Especially because it seems like uh, Michi was close to, like, Asa's parents. To some degree, at least. Yeah, At least, like, Asa's mother. Uh-huh. Um, and then after it happened, having this, like, uh, in a way that, f- that feels relatable to me in, like, in a slightly different way. But, like, one of my brothers lost his kid very young mm-hmm. um, of just, like, a... a genetic but not like her like passed down it was like a uh um genetic mutation that happens mm, uh-huh. rather than like a, a passed down gene but just stopped breathing one night when he was two mm-hmm. um and that like put a lot of like when that happened i had anxieties because i at that point knew that i wanted a kid mm-hmm. but i also knew that was going to be difficult because i knew i was going to be transitioning Mm-hmm. didn't know what to do with that mm-hmm. and then i had a kid and then especially around two years old it would be like my kid would go to sleep in their room and i'd be like ah <laughs> yeah so um i can then see the way of like here's this person who you're close to and has died but also now you're like well okay my friend or like my kid is best friends with their kid and now i'm thinking about what happens if i die mm-hmm. so there's this way that's like it's sort of under the surface but i also think that like michi is coming to this being like i want some sort of assurance from like makio that if i die emery's gonna be fine mm-hmm. you know yeah <laughs> yeah which i don't know if it's a thing that like makio can actually give michi. yeah yeah but i think that's also part of what's in the mix here yeah um also we get Emery and Asa's conversation, where Asa just kind of casually mentions, you know, I think I'll get a bikini when we go buy swimsuits later, you know? <laughs> and Emery is like, I'm so normal right now. I am so fucking normal. Um, and then Emery, or, or Asa is like, 
hey, that boy said he liked you. Aren't you? Are you? Yeah, I heard from this other friend that like he asked you out. What's going on with that? Uh, And it's like I'm I'm not getting a boyfriend. (laughs) Yeah, I've I've thought we talked about this. Yes. Um, and she's like. I'm I'm not getting a boyfriend, and I want to stop talking about this now. And Asa's like, why? Yeah, I was like, why? And it's like, I don't like boys. She's like, why? Do you like girls? And it's just like, this conversation's over. I'm leaving. And then, and then she also somewhere in here, Emily is like, well, why don't you get a boyfriend, Asa? And Asa's like, oh, I just like you know looking in on other people's loves lives more. I'm I'm not that that interested. Yeah, and I'm more interested like, in just like doing music right now. And it's like, girl, you just girl, you're gay. You're a little gay girl. Stop <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, has just gotten probably lots of messages from her mom about it. Yeah, whether that's a thing that she's allowed to be. <sighs> you know, just sort of in the middle of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Anyway, um. I'm I'm scrolling through. I've hit everything I wanted to hit about that chapter. There's some memories of Asa's mother, but uh, we're gonna get more memories of Asa's mother in the next few chapters. So, yeah. Like I. <clears throat> oh. Fuck yeah. Man, the next chapter's also a meal. Kind of. A little bit. Yeah. Less so. Um, the next chapter is um, Kasumachi uh, meets up with Daigo, and they're... The one other thing I wanted to say yes. in this... Yes, go <clears throat> Which sort of come up, but I just want to emphasize, is also there's this dynamic where uh, Asa sort of came in at the end uh-huh. of Makio and um, Emery. Mm-hmm. Having this sort of conversation about love lives mm-hmm. and Machio kind of awkwardly being like, it's not a sin. Uh, here, let me give you, uh, a thing about being gay, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> the equivalent of me, I, I would be far better at handling being like, I think you might be gay, but me being like, oh, uh, read Nana. <laughs> <laughs> It'll explain every. It's not going to explain everything, but you, you'll know when you read Nana. You'll feel it. <laughs> anyway, um, um. So the next chapter is this conversation. No, so the thing I want to oh, say is Asa's oh. sort of Asa has like a little chip on her shoulder about like you, like Makio talked to you about what's going on with her love life and uh-huh. won't talk to me about it. Yes. Makio <clears throat> talked to you about whatever's going on between her and Kasamachi, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> um, anyway, moving on to the next chapter. Kasamachi and Daigo meet for lunch. It is mostly because Daigo is, like, working in a new job, and it's in the sort of the field that Kasamachi works in, and so it's like a networking type thing, you know? Um, But they end up talking mostly about... um. Uh, Makio. Um, yeah. And also, and, like, the breakup and stuff. Yeah. And Daigo is, like, very obviously being like, Are you two fucking? <laughs> she didn't tell me you're fucking. 
I need all the details right now. <laughs> but she's trying to she's trying to be cool about it. She's trying to be like, oh no, you know, Maki and I just don't talk about that much. But if you know, if you want to talk to me about it, I'm certainly willing to listen. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I love this stuff so much, and I love that Kasumachi is so worried about this lawyer that he does not need to be worried about. <laughs> um. Um, and I also, um, the end of this is, like, toward the end of their conversation. A, a weird version of, like, uh, if you hurt my friend, I'm, again, I'm gonna fucking come for you. Yes. <laughs> He's like- uh, but, uh, but phrased around, she's a fucking weirdo, you're clearly into weirdos <laughs> if you're still into her. Just fucking admit that you're into weirdos, <laughs> you fucking weirdo. Uh, he says- I mean, he's a lawyer. He's got to be smarter than me. Naya <laughs> says, I don't think it's a matter of who's more book smart or whatever. Um, and Kasumachi's like, oh, Ma Makio, she must be such a hit with the boys. Daigo says, nobody but a narrow selection of people who are into weird shit could go for a pain in the ass like her. <laughs> Listen up, you. An exotic beast like that barely ever gets attached to anybody. You gotta admit to yourself you're into weirdos. Take a good hard look at yourself. Okay? Now get going. <laughs> Uh, and then immediately after that, she sent, she said that and sent him on his way. He just like goes to meet with Makio and it's like, oh, sorry to barge in. Oh, weren't we meeting with Mak or with Daigo today? Uh, yeah, we talked, uh, about you. <laughs> um, this is a cute chapter, but there's less like immediate stuff to watch. Oh, but, the, but there is the big thing at the end of this. Oh, is, yeah. So. We've had we've we're aware of the diary that um Asa's mother wrote. Um and like <clears throat> um Makio is like, I just don't know what to do about this. Do I give it to her when she's twenty? Do I give it to her now? I just want to get rid of it, but I know that's not the right thing to do here. And she's sort of talking about it with Kasamachi. And coincidentally Asa walks home and overhears some of this, and it's the classic, like, dramatic irony thing, where she only hears, like, the thing that makes her think the worst, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that sets us up for, like, the big stuff of the next chapter. Um, which, man, lawyer <laughs> content incoming. <laughs> um, but yeah, so with this one in particular, we get her, um, sneaking oh, yeah, in. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sneaking in. So we get Asa sneaking into Makio's office, mm -hmm. uh, looking around and finding um, the diary and then reading it. Um, we we get, get weirdly, like, objective... We get weirdly sort of objective memories of conversations that Asa's mother had where she's feeling lots of weird stuff about being a mother or about her sort of common law marriage to Asa's father. Yeah, so the other thing that came up sort of in the conversation with Michi uh -huh. <clears throat> is we learn, uh, like as the audience, that um, most people didn't know it was a common law marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, with the death announcement, that's when people learned. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so this one, we're getting more detail there about like, um, it seems like they got pregnant and then 
were yeah. like, well, we should be married, but then he still didn't really want to get married. He just wanted to focus on being a dad, and so they just got, like, common-law married. Mm-hmm. Which also, it doesn't sound like he was a very present dad. So, yeah. interesting that he says that, you know? Yeah. Um, and then there's also, I think it's Michi who says that there's, like, ways that, like, he was kind of like Machia. Uh-huh. Um, you know, that he was, like, more, like, had more difficulty with social, social situations. And mm-hmm. so. It's interesting, though, because we get what I think are very, like, memories from Asa's mother's point of view. That's what we get. But what Asa is getting here is, like, the diary that she can't know, like, if it's real or not. She can't really know her mother's heart, you know? Which is, like, true even if her mother were alive, you know? Um, It's true that, you know, like, somebody might say X, Y, and Z to you, but secretly feel A, B, and C, and if you really get down to it, you can never really know what another person feels, you know? But Asa is feeling that very acutely because of her mother's death, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> we also get ways here that, like, we see Makio saying things that are hurtful uh-huh. uh, to Asa's mother. <clears throat> like, when they were, you know, younger or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, sort of as part of the same, like, fight in the yes. Black Void. Yes. Um, And what I one thing I think is, like good or interesting about this is one we see like the way that um makio is like far more like socially isolated by everything and some of that is just like her own reaction to things but also this like puts a lot of emphasis on this idea of like uh being normal and Mm -hmm. not being different Mm -hmm. and makio being marked as not normal Mm -hmm. or as being different from the start and her having to like that that is like there's a lot put on her about why can't you be normal but she just can't like mm-hmm. it it feels like it's a a foregone like well I can't just achieve that and so everyone's mad at me about a thing I can't control really uh-huh. um and I don't really know how to like relate and interact with people then if they're expecting some sort of normalcy that I can't give mm-hmm. um but then Asa's mother is also having this relationship with it where it is a thing that is also expected of her and that she is in many ways able to meet, but that like, you can't be perfect. Mm -hmm. And so she has that more like, I have to be perfect all the time. This is what is expected of me is to be like normal and normal being this like perfect sort of member of society. Perfect. Like you, you hit all the ideal, you know, uh, you have your wedding, you become a housewife, all that, like it's sort of the, the dream that's set forward for her. And mm. there's ways that she achieves it and ways that she feels like she can't. And she has to like deal mm-hmm. with realizing that she is also different. Yes. Um, and she has this sort of paralyzing fear of being different, you know? Yeah. Um. And I, I like this because it, even though there's still ways that like, Asa's mother was clearly, like, uh, hurtful and possibly, like, abusive to Machia. Uh-huh. It also does center that, like, there is this greater structure that is, like... And we've seen some of it with, like, of course, it's... their mom was also influencing them. Yeah. But also they're existing in this greater structure of, like, 
you have to be a conforming member of society or it's it's not because Asa's mother is just an inherently cruel and evil person. It's because she has her own fears and she sort of projected yeah. those fears onto other people, which yeah. is, you know, what Makio does too. You know, yeah. it's just that Makio is Makio is a little better at I am projecting this fear on you. Let me take one step back and be like, why am I doing that? You know? Yeah. And th- there's also to some degree a way that's like being revealed here. Uh-huh. That Asa's mother had this sense of like, I have to be perfect, put on to her. Mm-hmm. And in many ways felt like she was able to live up to it and then sort of became paralyzed by the moments where it she wasn't able to. And she wasn't like, at least from what we've seen so far, able to fully move past that. Mm-hmm. And that Makio being in that position of, from the start, I am marked as different. This is not a thing that I can escape from there are ways that I just can't relate to people has then had to do the work to figure out how do I still relate to other people that I care about? How do I like, um, how do I interact? Like I have to think about how I fit into the society and all that. Um, and so there's like ways that like that experience has set Machio up to be better at taking care of Asa Mm -hmm. and better at talking about, here's the differences between us. Here's like the limits of what I can do. Then her mother probably was able to. Yeah. Um, but that her mother was still ultimately more like if the society is like a harming force to both of them, but her mother is like more rewarded by it or like, uh, uh, able to be a part of it. Uh, (sighs) from there we get like three of my favorite pages that have been, in the manga so far. Like, to end this chapter, basically. Uh, at the top, we get some of the things that Asa's mother writes in the diary as she's, like, crying. At the bottom of the page, we get... Um, Asa says it was like peering into a huge hole, and at the bottom of the hole, the fear, the truth is my mom didn't love me, did she? Lurked like a monster. You know? Yeah. Um, and the, the final page of this chapter is, um, her mother crying and saying, mom loves you. Um, and Asa is sort of like staring at the diary and says, I don't know, you know? Oh, I guess the chapter does keep going after that, but that's not. Yeah. Basically more of like, this might all be lies. Um, I don't know. Um, 24. Um, 24, this is more good shit. This is the shit I'm living for, (laughs) which is basically, um, so, um, Asa, she's upset about the diary and not knowing the truth and everything, and she starts skipping school, basically. And on the second day that she skips school... Emery and one of Asa's teachers sort of, like, get together to be like, what's going on? Um, they've been calling Makio, and Makio hasn't been answering because Makio did not answer her phone, as has been established. Um, and um, basically, Makio gets together the posse of her and Tono and uh, Kasumachi, and they all go looking for Asa. 
Um, and I love the bit in the car where Tono is like, I've taken many classes on how to, yeah. I, I have to properly raise a child. And like, I, I know a lot about child behavior psychology and I'm going to just say things I learned in class at these people right now. Yeah. I'm trying <laughs> to see the, uh, <clears throat> um, yeah. Uh, no. There's one about raising a complaint about a father doing something like that. Like, that, yeah. That <laughs> happened with Kasumachi. Um, um, gosh, I can't find it now. Maybe it's not till the next chapter that they all get together to go looking for her? I don't... No, they're all together in this chapter, and then the next one is, like, it ends with Makio going and ordering the boba where Asa is. Mm. Uh, and Asa looking at her shocked, and then okay. we get from there. Oh, okay, okay. Um, Okay, that's why I couldn't... I was looking too early in the chapter. Um, okay, okay, here we go. Um, Kasuanchi says... Uh, they're talking about... Because Makia's like, oh yeah, yeah, I used to skip school all the time. Well, here's the one earlier that I, I want to point out that's also the, like, I've read a lot about this. I've studied this. Uh-huh. Uh, Asasan is in a situation we call having lost supporters, and children will often want to test adults. So even though we're not her parents, her seeing this many adults worried about her might be a good thing. <laughs> Which, like, it's so sweet because, like, he's phrasing it in this really awkward way, but also... I think he's right. Like, I do think it will be good, ultimately, for Asa to see that, like, there are three adults that are go going to go hunt her down, you know? Yeah. Um, I think, like, he's correct. He's just a dweeb about it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they're basically, they're talking about, Makio's like, oh, yeah, I cut class all the time. The other two didn't really. Um, Kazumachi and, says he did one time. And and all his Immediately father got did, caught by the teachers or whatever. Yeah, and all all his father did was just kind of like give him a disappointed look. And, yeah, and, and click his tongue. Yes. <laughs> um, and Toto is like, I would like to rise a, raise a complaint against a father for doing that. A situation like that requires a dialogue. I can't say I care much for clicking one's tongue at a child in that situation. Such <laughs> a thing would make the child self-esteem mumble mumble. <laughs> Kasumachi is like damn, my dad did kind of fuck me up a little bit. Yeah. And Toto was like, oh, I shouldn't talk so bad about your dad. And, and Kasumachi's just like, you can keep talking bad about my yeah. dad. That's all right. <laughs> I welcome hearing more complaints about my dad. Seriously, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> and that's when they spot um, Asa and Makio comes up and orders three uh, teas. Yeah, uh -huh. specifically, it's like, what's one that's not too sweet? And is the Jasmine is like, okay, get us three of that one <laughs> <laughs> to go. And Asa looks up like, oh shit. Um, and I, I love. So this next chapter starts with Kasumachi is like, oh Asa, I was worried about you, and Asa like lashes out at Kasumachi. Oh, you're just doing this because you want to get in. Uh, Makio's pants or whatever. Yeah, you just wanted Makio channel like you more, right? And Kasumachi is just like, I care about you a lot as a friend, you know. Um, yeah. And this just feels this just feels very real. Of sometimes a child yells at you, and you're just like, I just have to be nice to the child who is going through some things. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, one thing that so that means sometimes my kid will be in a mood. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I'll be like, you know, 
I still love you or whatever. Mm. You know, like maybe there's like a little bit of like things got heightened mm. and my kid will be like, I don't love you. Mm. And I'm always just like, that's fine. You're not required to. I still love you though. Like mm. you don't have to love me back. That's not part of this arrangement. Mm. I'm just telling you, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but also I know that kid loves me back, but they're just mm-hmm. saying it cause they're mad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also love, but but on that note, I love this bit. Um, like, I'm trying to find the exact page where it happens. Um, basically, they're they're talking about Asa went into um the <clears throat> Asa went into Makio's room to find the diary. And to sort of deflect from talking about that, Asa's like, and your room's so messy, and like, why the fuck is your room so messy, blah blah blah. Kasamachi gets upset, Makio is like, quiet, I need to handle this. And Makio is like, you trying to hurt my feelings does not change the fact that we needed to talk about this, and that it's not okay for you to cut class, you know? Yeah. Um, And... I understand that you're just trying to change the subject by hurting my feelings and I'm not going to give you the satisfaction of getting this rise out of me. That yeah. was such a good, like, you are her mom now, bitch. You're her mom now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. <clears throat> um. And then... They end up going home, uh, and essentially, so there's, like, a little bit of the, the thing here, and Machio explaining, like, you know, what, what happened? it wasn't that I was, like, not trying to, like, I wasn't, wasn't going to give it to you or something. I was, like, I didn't know what I to knew do that it. your mom wanted to give it to you when you were 20, and so I was trying to figure out what's the, like, best way to do this to give it to you. <sighs> Um, and then, uh, Asa's, like, really seeking, like, Mm. I am, the thing I'm most upset about is that I read all of this and I don't actually know if it's true or lies. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if my mom actually loved me. Um, and Makio just being like, I can't answer this for you. Mm -hmm. What I can say but that I don't know if this is 100% the truth, mm-hmm. is that I look at you and I feel like you are a person who is still raised with some love. Yes. But that's, like, all I can offer you. And and Asa's like, why can't you fucking offer me the answer about what my mom was and how she felt about me? And, and it's like, <laughs> and it, like, there are many adults, I, I probably am one of them, who will tell, like, a little white lie to make a kid feel better. Makio is not one of those people. Makio, who's, like, is just a straight shooter down to her core and, like, is just going to tell Asa, like, here's what I do know, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and that's sort of the thing. Asa, like, latches onto, like, I just want you to lie to me to make me feel better. Um, and sort of, like, gets sort of attached to that. Um, but I think Makio is doing the right thing, you know, here. I think Makio is, like, Listen, I can lie to you to make you feel better. I don't think that it's going to fix it, and so I'm yeah. not going to do that. Yeah. <clears throat> um, 
Also, Asa asks her if anyone important uh, to her has ever died, and she says no, no one has, but there were things that made me feel very sad, though I don't plan on sharing those with anyone. Um, And then we get, like, Asa reading some of Makio's books, including a passage where, like, uh, someone is mourning a death and being like, so this hasn't happened to you, but then why can you, like, write about this in a way that's, like, still emotionally affecting for me? Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, you can do all of this, but you still can't just, like, give me the lies that I want to hear. Mm-hmm. So. And then the chapter ends with, um, uh, Makio just loudly crying. No, in, also loudly or, yeah, crying. Also yeah. loudly crying in the room. And Makio going in. Giving her a hug. Yeah, and being like, uh, you know, hey, what's wrong? And just says, my mom and dad died. And then yeah. being like, yeah, let me hug you. It's just, we're just I want the kid yeah. to be okay. Anyway, then Tono has his day off, and it's fucking great. I love this man. <sighs> Tono just plays Tetris for the entire day. One of the best pages of manga ever written. So true. <laughs> so true it's nighttime. <laughs> it's nighttime. <laughs> we made it can I ask you a question about Ikoku Nikki I guess would you describe Ikoku Nikki as an irreverent blast no what would you describe as an irreverent blast probably pondering Puton. Oh. With Dachi Shiyotaro and Hachimitsu Boy, which is a podcast on the Export Audio Network that you can listen to by going to exportaud.io. Uh, if you go there, you can become a patron of the network. Um, for $1, you'll get the episodes like the night that Connor and I record them. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, if you don't want to give us money, uh, why the fuck not give us money? No. But if you really don't, fuck you, but go to exportaud.io slash Putan and then you'll get it. We got another question for you. What if, hypothetically, I were a listener to this podcast and I was just like, wow, Nia's so good at talking into a microphone. I would love to be able to go follow her on some sort of social media site so that I could see when her newest podcasts are dropping or any sort of funny tweets about Atlas games that she just sorts of throws out there on a whim. Um, You go to Fox Mom Nia on basically anything. Uh, But also you, listener who probably don't know me, especially because you don't already know my Twitter account, uh, say, like, Faith Hem Fair for me. Don't. don't yeah. Don't. <laughs> she, her, that's people who know me. Yeah. Anyway. You can I just find- wanted to point that out because I thought it would be funny. It was funny. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee, at autumnal for um, uh, co-host, um, little coffee and comic books update because, um, so the plan was that we would record this Greed Island episode as a $5 patron episode. We would take a, a week, a one episode off from doing Hunter Hunter, and then we'd get into Chimera Ant. That would also be a $5 patron episode. Basically, the plan was $5 for Hunter Hunter from Greed Island onward. We're not taking a little break between Hunter Hunter episodes. We're just going to roll right into Chimera Ant because Rick and I are just very excited about Chimera Ant. We're just very excited. 
which means that there will not be a free episode of Coffee and Comic Books for a little while. There's a chance that I drop the Greed Island episode down to a, like, $1 patron thing after a couple weeks or something. I might do that, but I might. I'm not making a promise to you. You're shaking your head. You're like, no. Fuck Make them pay. Make them pay. So if, if there won't be any free Coffee and Comic Books content for a little while, I hope that's okay. You got an episode of Stairwells that's all about manga to replace that. Go, if you want to hear people talk about comics, go listen to Ghost Divers. Talking about Nana. Yeah. The greatest comic ever written. Or perhaps Pardon My Fist, where we're talking about Fist of the North Star. Not the greatest comic ever written, but a very good one. Very good one. Yeah. There was a part where I think you were texting me about when he has to put down the steel beam. You know, he's using it and he's like, I was doing this so I didn't want to use my fists. Yeah. And I was like, I remember that. And when I said that, I realized that you probably thought it was the thing thought, that you think is a bit, but that isn't a bit, that I have watched all of Dragon Ball and read all of Dragon Ball and I know all of it. Yeah, I thought you were doing your Dragon Ball bit. But I, I've never read Fist of the North Star. I've seen a little bit of Fist of the North Star. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had a friend who was very, very big into Fist of the North Star. So there's definitely like panels like that that i have seen and remember i'm given to understand after having read it that uh kenshiro hitting that dude with a steel beam dropping it and saying i didn't want it to come to this but i guess i'll have to use my fists is one of the most iconic moments in all of fist of the north star yeah i didn't know that that was one of the most iconic moments i'm glad that got to be a surprise for me but yeah i i have i have learned that this is one of the things that people know about Fist of the North Stars, that one time Kenshiro hit a dude with a steel beam and said, I guess I'll have to use my fists instead. Yeah. And then you know what he does? He uses his fists. He uses his fists. And then you know what he does? He picks up another steel beam and he hits him with a second steel beam and this time it works. It's fucking sick. Man, Fist of the North Star. Yeah. (laughs) Did you say where people can follow you on stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're, like, done with plugs. We're done. (laughs) 